This is Armand Asante. Eric Newman. Eric Hansen. This is Ernesto Perez Carrillo. Hi, this is Glenn Case. Nick Perdomo. Nicholas Perdomo Jr. This is Jerry from Ben and Jerry's. This is Jim Young from Davidoff of Geneva. This is the Cigar Authority. The Authority. Are you saying pal? On everything cigar. In. I get it. And out of the cigar industry. I know what it entails, and I'm ready to nail it. With your host. You know, you're, you're funny. David Garofalo. I'm funny how? Like I'm a clown? I amuse you? What the f- so funny about me. Tell me. Mr. Jonathan. Damn it. Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? For the last time, anything you put on that prompter, Burgundy will read. Barry Stump. Sportos, motorheads, geeks, bloods, wasteoids. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And Chuck Morrison. I am 35 years old, and I live in a van down by the river. It's time to light him up. <laughs> it's time for the Cigar Authority. Light him up, light him up, light him up, everybody. November 7, 2015, broadcasting live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Studios. Today, high atop a two-guys smoke shop in Salem, New Hampshire. And joining us, Cigar Cartel. Welcome yeah, to Cigar Cartel C2. There's at least a thousand of them. Yeah, it's a Facebook group of cigar enthusiasts who are here to help launch a new cigar from a new company, but a uh, not a new guy to cigars. He's the former president of Jewish States and creator of a brand that was made for him called Liga Pavada, which went on to become one of the most sought-after cigars in the world. Today he begins his next journey with a new cigar, and his new cigar is Sobor Mesa. And Steve Sacco will join us here. Welcome, everybody, to the Cigar Authority. At some point, he's going to join us. Yes, <laughs> you are listening to the Cigar Authority, the only radio show in the U.S. and, yes, the world that is always broadcast on location. And we are the only show that doesn't just allow smoking. We insist. We demand that you light up along with us. You tune in at thecigarauthority.com where you can watch us live or catch the podcast on demand at any time. Simply find us on iTunes or YouTube where you can set it and forget it on both. So an early indication of the flavor of the Sober Mesa is tardy. I can it taste tardy. I can taste that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> is that a flavor late. note? It's is a that a flavor late. note? <laughs> uh, Steve is minutes away uh, sitting in traffic, so he'll be here any second. Uh, so they say, hey, here he is. All right, he's here. The grand entrance of Mr. Steve Saka. Why do uh, I think he planned it this yeah. <laughs> It is the grand entrance for sure. How many minutes is fashionably late in the cigar business? Two hours and three minutes. That's fashionable. Two hours and three minutes. All right. That is the correct answer because he is here. So uh, he's going to bring on, actually, the first cigar is going to be something that isn't the Silver Mesa. This one didn't make the cut. Didn't make the cut, I guess. He'll explain that. And then on the second hour, we'll actually smoke the finished or corrected product. And everybody in our studio audience, the Cigar Cartel, will join us in both of those cigars. The first cigar, uh, I think there's only 400 cigars ever made. And he probably smoked 100 of them. So we're going to be down to the end of it. Now, uh, here's my question to the Cigar Cartel. Who has the cojones to light up this cigar, that there are only 400 that exist, or are you going to try to save it for your collection? That's my question. Light it up. What better That's place what to light saying. it up than with the guy who ended up doing it? It doesn't exactly. get better than this. Hey, have him sign the ashes. Right. Be all set. <laughs> hey, speaking of uh, cigar cartel, I'm officially cartel certified. There we go. 
So you didn't get one of those shirts, so you stuck the bumper sticker right on your... Right on my two guys' smoke shop. Shirt. There we go. I'm good there to we go. go. So they're passing out the cigars. Pass out to us, yes. Not that we need to be first, but we need it because we need something to talk about. Here we go. I don't know if you need something to talk about. You and Chuck Thank did you, pretty We good. can talk about your living legendhood. Yeah. You are a living legend of dance. I am. I am. It's I- official. I got the trophy. I got the pin. Yeah. So I- what does that mean now? Is, is it Mr. Jonathan? Oh, it always was. It always was. Yeah. <laughs> it never wasn't. Uh, D, T, T, underscore, S, underscore, 007. Same as yours? Yes, yeah, same as July mine. 2015. All right. July 2015. Well, we got a triple seam cap here. Oily wrapper. It is. And it looks like a Toro, maybe a, a 6 by 50 Two? This could be a Robusto, I think. Yeah. No? Maybe a Toro. Yeah. Everything looks small. Everything looks small, and now they're making everything bigger anyway. So let's give it a cut and light, a taste, and let's get into it. Right now, it's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting is brought to you by our friends at Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand while all other cigar brands were raising prices. It was Perdomo that cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered their prices. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellent-looking Excellent cigar. Well-made, nice cap, and uh, just a few months old. Oh, yeah. So we have to give that into consideration. Is it a few months old, or is that when he received them after their aging? And this is the, the I don't date know. that he received them. Steve, when, when, yeah, what, what is the what deal here? Why don't you tell us, Steve? Oh, you're not on oh, yet. Oh, you're not here yet. I'm still, You actually are on, but he's not here. I don't know what he's doing, but uh, let's give it a... You'll be proud of me. I did not just choke into the microphone because this was yeah. this had that, that characteristic to it. Okay. It's a good draw. A little sweet taste. All you guys are doing it along with us. This is not part of the cigar care package because there it wouldn't be not. enough to go around. Come right around here, Steve. Behind Barry? Behind Barry. <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get up so you can fit. <laughs> And what are we using here to light this? Is this stage certified for this kind of tonnage? There we go. We got some weight up here, folks. <laughs> huh? How do you feel, Mr. Jonathan? I feel like I could either go through the <laughs> floor or into the ceiling. We got some weight. Something gives away. I'm in trouble. We are lighting up with the Vertigo Vortex. Uh, what happened with the folks at Vertigo is they said, our tank is not big ass enough. Yeah. So they went double big ass. Triple jet. It's got a uh, single action here, double action on the, the button. You push the button down, the lid pops, and then you got your triple jet. There's no bullet cutter on this, um, but the, the tank is huge. Yeah, and it sits by itself like a table light. How much for this? Fourteen ninety nine. Fourteen ninety nine. Is this the best bargain in the cigar business? I would say yes. Yes, it is. Hi, Steve. Hey, man. You ever have one of those mornings where you wake up and clear blue skies and the sun is shining and yeah. the birds are tweeting and it really just kind of sets the whole stage for your morning? Yeah. You know what I mean? Make sure you have a great morning, you have yeah. a great day. There we go. Yeah. I had that absolute opposite experience. Yeah, this opposite. <laughs> Apparently. Um, the best way to sum it up shortly, rather than giving you a long litany, is that it just pretty much sucked big, sweaty donkey cojones. Okay, go easy here. Point A to point B. <laughs> and I'm really hoping that it doesn't serve as foreshadowing for the rest of my day. No, no, this is going to be fantastic. Fantastic. We have the cigar cartel up here. You have the launch yeah. of your new cigar. We're going to have food. We're going to have Sober Mesa after. 
which is uh, having uh, sitting around and talking after dinner. Yep. So uh, this is what Sober Maser is all about. But what is this all about, DTT? All right. Well, DTT is Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust, obviously. Okay. S is for Sober Mesa. Um, originally, when we started, we started with 10 base blends that I had absolutely nothing to do with. I actually had instructed the Hoya guys going through their tobacco selection to make some samples entirely on their own because I was just curious as to, you know, what I could and couldn't get out of what their factory inventory stores were. Sure. Um, once we had done that experience, there were some good cigars in the mix, but ultimately it was kind of what I expected. Um, Hoya has a very distinct flavor profile that and they it, make. And this has that. All right. You think so? I, I don't think it does. Well, maybe a little, but... Ultimately, what we ended up doing is uh, after that scenario was done, I then sat down and we hand-chose 40 different tobaccos, and we smoked those as tobacchiados, which is normally my approach. The only thing that was set was the kappa. I knew the kappa was going to be this uh, grade one uh, Rosado Ecuador Habano from La Mecca because that had already been selected a year previous, but everything else was up in the air. So then we made seven more base blends based on my opinions uh, of the 40 tobacchiados we smoked. And I also said, look, if you guys, now that we've gone through this, you know what I like, you know what I don't like. If you want to come up with something on your own, please do. Because, you know, I'm always willing to take input. You know, I'm, I'm, not, the, uh, I'm not the end-all, be-all. Jonathan likes input, too. But I think we're talking different We're talking input. different things. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, Starting uh, already. <laughs> but you're going to make the final decision. Oh, always. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, out of those 10 base blends... Number seven was the one, which happened to be one of the ones that I had come up with, uh, that I actually liked. It was the one that I said, wow, this one has chance, potential, you know. Um, it was good. I think it's a good cigar. But it didn't really, um, uh, I don't know. I thought it could be better. Okay. okay? And uh, for a lot of people, I, I think that this is a very sellable cigar as is. Yeah, so far so good to yeah, this. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with it in any way. But it just was missing some of the characteristics that I wanted. But at the same time, it was a very good core blend. So for all practical purposes, this is the base core blend. The thing that's interesting about it and why I brought it today, because this is not something you normally would share with anybody. Yeah. This is something in the middle of the process, really. So it's, it starts off as this, and this is the idea of what I want, and then you're going to tweak right. it. The thing that's very unique about this particular core sample is that the final blend has the exact same tobacco in it. Okay. okay. Different percentages, different it's placements. A, it's, a, it's different percentage, different position, uh, different, uh, you know, slightly different selection out of the individual crops. So I really brought it more as a, a contrasting stick because, you know, one of the things that uh, at the show that a lot of people are like, well, you know, you've given this laundry list of what's in the blend. I mean, I've given somebody could go and take my laundry list of tobaccos and say, oh, I want this, this, and this, and then they could make it. Because most people tell you, well, it's got Nicaraguan, it's got this, it's got that, but they don't really give you any details. And uh, my attitude on this was that it was irrelevant that someone had the details. And, and this is really trying to, and this will show you why it's irrelevant. Smoking this one compared to the other one, even though all the ingredients are the same, the end result is different. Well, if we know if you give the, a, a few different chefs the same exact ingredients and tell them to make the same exact dish, you have all different things. Absolutely. Yeah, so here's the same exact scenario. And that's why I kind of find this a little bit of an interesting exercise to smoke these in comparison to what the final blend ended up being. Now, ultimately, 
some of you may like this one better than the ultimate blend. And uh, I couldn't argue with you. I mean, it's a matter of personal opinion. You know, I always talk to people and, you know, I always say it's like red gravy, you know. Um, you know, everybody has different likes and dislikes when it comes to how they like their sauce. Some people like it sweet, some people like it savory, some people like it really spicy, some meat and veggies and whatever. But nobody's ultimately right or wrong because it's a matter of personal preference. So this was the base. This is where I started from. You know, once we got to this stage in the blending process and then the cigar that you'll smoke next is where I ended up being personally finally satisfied with how the gravy tasted. So it would be interesting. This, yeah, this to me started off like uh, Dark Antonio without the dark. Really? Well, it's funny you say that because there's really there's only one ingredient in the blend that is in any of the other Hoya products. Um, there's a couple leaf varieties that they use in other products, but they're not this particular leaf that I ended up either purchasing or selecting. So the only thing that's a common thread between this and any Hoya product that's currently in the marketplace is the ASP Lajero, which is a very common Lajero. You guys have seen it in a million products. It's pretty much the one that everybody uses to bring a real spicy strength kind of sharpness to the cigar. It's a, it's a very squat, low-lying, hybrid kind of plant. ASP is the only one that has the seed. And they have the market pretty much capitalized on it. And it's something that some blends use an awful lot of and other blends uh, don't use any of. Um, I'm in the middle on that. I like it, but I find it can be overpowering. So, and, and this one has a little bit more of that ASP yeah, in it. Absolutely. Not that necessarily it's ultimately strength-wise stronger, but I felt like the amount of ASP in this particular blend somewhat masked some of the nuances of what I consider of what the final blend is. But again, th that's my personal opinion. You know, uh, the, you know, the one thing I've learned over the years is uh, I never try to make cigars for anyone but me. Well, you may, you may want to change that because you've got a lot of cigars to sell. Well, and I don't think you can get through <laughs> no, all the ones you've made. See, I, I'm going to disagree with that philosophy, <laughs> okay. and I'll tell you why. They're, the customers have many cigars to choose from. So trying to make a cigar that's going to make everybody happy. No, impossible. Is, it's impossible. Yeah. And everybody has an opinion, and nobody's opinion is wrong because we all have perfect palates. We have perfect palates for ourselves. So from my perspective, what I like to do is I like to make a cigar for a customer of one, and then what I'm hopeful is I'm hopeful that other people will share my personal profile and taste and what I like and I don't like because I don't need for everyone to love the cigar. What I need for hopefully is that, you know, one out of 100, one out of 200, one out of 500 people say, wow, that's good enough that I'm willing to put it into my humidor rotation. And yeah, that's you're, what you're ultimately you're, hoping you're for. You're not looking for everyone to like it. You're looking for one or two people to love it. Absolutely. In the masses. And that's, you know, I, I, I've said this a thousand times. And I'll say it a thousand times again. When you make a cigar that everybody likes, you've ultimately made a cigar that nobody loves. Yeah. And, ah. and, you know, and there's no, there's no point in it because as consumers, we have so many great choices. So uh, to try to make something that pleases everybody. And I, I think that's one of the things that a lot of the, the larger companies sometimes lose is they solicit so many opinions when they're in the development of a product. Uh, do you like the name? Do you like the packaging? Do you think it's strong enough? Do you think it's this? Do you think it's that? And they get a gazillion opinions. And the thing is, everyone's opinion is ultimately right for themselves. And then they try to combine that to try to make the perfect product. And ultimately, what they end up making is they end up making a product that, in my opinion, ends up being homogenized. Yeah, just a bland It just ends up mixture. being – it ends up being good. Yeah. But it doesn't end up being really great to anybody in the end. 
And who, who needs another good cigar? There's plenty of good cigars on this shelf. So for me, I would much rather one out of 500 people say, wow, that's amazing, I love it, than have 500 people say, that's a really good cigar, and go and buy something else. <laughs> so the date on it is July 2015? Yeah, that would be the date that it was manufactured. Okay. When the they came out was... of the month of July. Okay. So it's only four months old of being rolled, but that's actually a, a good amount of time sitting around, right? It depends. You know, it depends on the tobacco. You know, um, if the tobacco is properly fermented, getting past the cure, the cure part you can't do anything about. Um, it's long. That, that deal was sealed in the barn. But if the tobacco is properly fermented, tobacco is really ready to be made into a cigar right away. There is no reason to have to age cigars. The only thing that there is a reason that you have to do is you have to condition cigars. And conditioning is basically the fact that you've introduced so much moisture during the production of the cigar that uh, you need to wick that moisture away and give the cigar an opportunity to set up. And depending on the materials that are used, that setup time will differ. When you're using a lot of very light materials, uh, sometimes as little as a couple, three weeks is enough time for that to happen. Um, when you're using heavier materials, it can take as long as two to three months for that to happen. And like something that, you know, is dry, like one of the things that made me miserable this morning, one of the things I'm struggling with is these cigars have been shipped so rapidly that I'm noticing that I'm getting a little bit of micro cracks in some of the wrappers. And it's entirely a question of that they've been transited so much in the last two weeks that I'm really starting to wonder, heck, should I just stop and not ship them out and let them sit in my humidor for a week before I ship them to retailers? Too late. We have Oz. Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> you know, look, it, it's really minor, but these are, the type, have them back. these are the type of things that I agonize yeah. over. You know what I mean? Because in a perfect world, because you, you have to think about it. They went from truck to Managua, from, from Esteli to Managua. They got on a plane from Managua to Miami. They, you know, go through a warehouse. They get transferred to another plane into Boston. They end up on another truck from Boston to Hooksa. They end up in my warehouse to then go on a truck to go from, you know, my location to a retailer. And then from the retailer, some of them are then shipping them again to customers. And so over the course of two to three weeks, these cigars have basically, you know, gone through Hell. so many different temperatures, yeah. so many different humidities, so many different air pressures. You know what I mean? That it's a lot of stress. So in a perfect world, what you would really love is for the cigars to, you know, have an opportunity to just sit, you know, in a stable environment. It doesn't have to be a perfect environment, but it has to be just a stable environment to just give them a chance to relax. But because the demand is so crazy for it, I don't think a lot of these cigars that get initially tested are going to be at their optimum. So what if I, in my perfect world, I'd love for people just to hold them for three days, you know? <laughs> but so, I, so I, no one's going to do that. So yeah, I know that. Nobody is going to do it. So does the business plan change at this point where you get um, a month's supply, do not send that month's supply out, wait until the next one's being transit, then yeah, send that out know, to USAT? The thing that was different in this transaction than any of the others was this was the first time cigars were frozen. Okay. okay, and that was what was different in this transaction right. compared to any other, and and I'm already like I've said, was that intentional? Yeah, it's it's intentional because you're trying. It's it's basically for pest control. You know, everyone used to uh, everybody used to fumigate finished goods uh, before they sent them to the consumer. But over the last it started about 15 years ago, but now it's pretty commonplace for us to freeze the product as a method because it's, you know, much uh, less chances of any sort of trace chemicals or whatnot. So from a consumer's point of view as a cigar smoker, I prefer the freezing option over the other. But I have a little bit of a learning curve here. This is not a wrapper variety I've ever worked with before. 
played with it, but never really done real production with it. So this Ecuador Habano to me is a little bit different. I'm so used to working with really heavy Nicaraguan capas, Connecticut Broadleaf, the stock Habano that we get from Connecticut, the Mexican San Andres Negro that I've used in the past. This is by far the most delicate wrapper that I've ever used to make a cigar. You know, so for me, I have to admit, as we've been going through the process, I've been learning a lot, you know, and uh, the one thing that's a problem in our industry is there's no, uh, there's no book to refer to. Basically, what you have is you have a lot of old guys who all have absolute expert opinions, who all disagree with one another on a million different points. So the only way you can get through it is to actually do it yourself and come up with your own expert opinion. And, you know, so for me, you know, doing this product has been a, a learning curve on some of these particular tobaccos. You know, it's a, I had never used any of the uh, Pennsylvania Broadleaf as a filler before. I had used it in the past as a wrapper material, but I had never tried to incorporate it as a tripa. So that was a bit of a learning curve. Um, you know, I'd never, because of the way this wrapper is, it's so thin, I had never had to backstrip the basse leaf in the, in, in, in the bunch before I uh, before the wrapper was put on it. So that was a little bit of a change for me to, to understand how that was done and how to incorporate it and make the cigar the way I want it to look. So, I, you know, there, there are little techniques and things that I've been learning as I go along with this particular material set. So everybody that understands this process of the shipping thing and everything you went through is not the cigar we're smoking now. It's going to be the second cigar we smoked, the finished product. Um, this one, right, this one didn't go through didn't that go process. Through that. This one came in my luggage. Yeah, and this has been sitting around. <laughs> but this has been sitting around for three months. Um, well, it sat in the factory for... Uh, actually, you know what? I'm lying to you. This cigar did go through that shipping process. Oh, really? Okay. Because these ones came on the test shipment two weeks ago. So, yeah, now I have to correct right. myself. So this did go through that All right. process. Yeah, everything's fine with it. What yeah. do you consider optimal humidity? And there's lots of... I don't. You don't consider optimal I, humidity? You know, humidity is something that we use in humidors, but I worry about absolute moisture content. <coughs> I don't really care about what the ambient climate is around the cigar. What I care about is what is the humidity actually in the tobacco. So for me... Typically, a humidity, if I'm storing my personal cigars, I tend to be storing them somewhere around 67, 68 relative humidity. That's where I find it's comfortable. But, you know, sometimes, I'm, you know, if I find a cigar, I think it's smoking a little too wet, I'll take it out and I'll leave it on the desk for a day or two just to give it a chance to air wick. Some blends, some of the lighter blends with lighter materials, they have no problem being stored at 72. Um, but what I really care about is the absolute moisture in the cigar. What I'm ultimately typically looking for is someone right around 11 to 11 to 5 absolute moisture. Now, the problem is, in order for you to know that, you have to have a psychrometer. And not only do you have to have a psychrometer, and basically what a psychrometer is, it's an overpriced tool that measures the humidity in something. And you could buy plenty of them for testing wood. There's a ton of them out there. The problem is none of them work for tobacco. And not only do they not work, and when you buy one for tobacco, it has to be calibrated for the type of tobacco because the calibration is different whether you're using fleur-cured or whether you're using air-cured tobaccos. So that makes a difference. And in the end, a little pocket psychrometer is about $2,400. So I, I don't think most consumers are going to have one. Right. But uh, uh, Show of hands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so, you know, I. You know, that's what I like to check is I like to check the absolute humidity content in the cigar. I'm looking at about 11 to, you know, it depends on the blend, too. 
A lighter blend, 12 and a half is okay. Sometimes on something like, you know, if you take like an Antonio as an example or like a stock cut Liga Pravada. The thicker leaf, right? right? Something yeah. that's like a lot of heavy leaf. Yeah. You can, you can go, you know, 10, 7, 5, 10 and a half sometimes is acceptable. What do you like to go, Mr. Jonathan? I'm really a, uh, yeah. I'm an 11. I think just like 11 across the board. Barry Stein. I don't think we're talking about cigars now when you say you like 11. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, what's the Duran question uh, from last week? Well, it's time for the question of the week brought to you by Duran Cigars. When the question is asked, what are you smoking? The answer should be Duran. Duran Cigars combines the best quality tobacco fillers from Nicaragua and Latin America with their super premium Habano Criollo Colorado wrapper. Experience the difference, Duran Cigars. Last week, we asked the age-old question, how do you store your cigars, in the cello or out of the cello? It's been the subject of many arguments online. And with over 900 votes cast, 74% of you prefer to keep them in the cello. I would say correct answer. That's how I, whatever it comes in. If it comes in a tube, I keep in the tube. If it comes in a cellophane, I keep in the cellophane. Too much damage, but okay. And today we ask, how important is social media for a cigar brand? Ah, perfect question to ask with a, with a group like this. This is a big social media group. How important is it? So what, what is the uh, answer choices? Very important, somewhat important, not important at all. And as always, you can vote on thecigarauthority.com just above the Duran advertisement. And when the question is asked, what are you smoking? The answer should be Duran cigars. Experience the difference. And so wait, wait, wait. You're not telling us the answer? No, everybody has to vote. Everybody has to vote. Next and week we next get the week. answer. You should have had that question last week. Who's planning this? He wasn't out? here. He called in yeah. sick last week. It probably was. Couldn't string together three words without choking. <laughs> so, um, you know... You're not. You're asking how important it is to for sales purposes. Will it? Yeah, for getting, the social media make right. a cigar sell. Here's the problem, though. Aren't you asking the group that's already in social media the question? Yes, you are. <laughs> so, yes, you are. I mean, obviously, if they're answering questions on a cigar authority website, the I think the answer is pretty going to be pretty skewed. I don't think it's a really good cross section, well, is it? Well, what do you? I think the methodology is messed up. Here. What do you think? What do you think, though? <laughs> I don't, think, don't uh, hold back. Steve. No, I'll tell you. Yeah, what let I them think. have it. I, I think. I think it. I think it. It's definitely important when you have a young, small brand and you don't have a lot of product to sell. Getting that boost from having people that like it and look, we all advertise in a gazillion places. I, I think most mainstream advertising and almost all, even non-mainstream advertising, has become very ineffective because we're all advertised to so often. Right. And we just we put the blinders on. Um, so obviously it has much more value when somebody that you know, whether it's a friend or acquaintance says, Hey, I tried this and I really liked it, whether that be a restaurant or a scotch mm-hmm. or a cigar. So that has a tremendous value. Um, so, and that's the thing that you get out of social media is if somebody is a personal referral. Yes. Um, they have, I don't, they, and, they, and they have nothing in the game. I don't know that as a manufacturer, just being active on social media and saying how great everything I do is. Yeah ultimately translates into much of anything. It brings awareness. It might get people to try it. But ultimately, the great win in social media is when people on their own, on their own cognizance, I'm thinking, I don't even think I'm saying that right, yeah. but on their own, on a actually go ahead and say, yeah, I tried that and I really liked it. I blah, 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 blah. I think that has, that's like gold. Now, your social but, media presence is a little bit different than the average manufacturer. You, you ask a question of the week. Yeah. And you like to mix things up and you're not afraid to be self-effacing. Uh, I think that for a manufacturer that that type of thing is a win because yeah. you've made yourself yeah, but it's really an dangerous. authority it's on the really, subject. It's really dangerous territory. I mean, 
it's you know I've been doing this online crap since 1993 and 93 92 right around and when Al Gore invented the internet if I'm absolutely. not mistaken yes and you know and I do it because I enjoy it and I like being interactive in that environment um, because ultimately I'm a cigar geek at heart so that really hasn't changed so I've never really do I end up getting a marketing benefit out of it absolutely but I've never got involved with it with the intent of, oh, there's a marketing benefit to do it. But it's a th- byproduct of what ends up happening as a result. But at the same time, I mean, it's terribly treacherous territory. I mean, for the, for the most part, cigar consumers are pretty much a pain in the ass. No okay. offense. No offense. No, yes. I'm, I'm one of them. No, <laughs> big offense. Stop. <laughs> Think about it. Think about who smokes cigars as a consumer group. We as a group of people tend to be a bit more boisterous, tend to be a bit more opinionated, and tend to be a little bit more, more forward than your average consumer. Because just the act of smoking cigars you know, and taking the disdain of others and whatnot, it just by nature, even the most mild-mannered cigar smoker has typically got more stones than a lot of other typical guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's part and parcel of the consumer group. And it's even more particularly true of the women that smoke cigars. They're much more confident and self-assured compared to what their typical peers are. And we have a great cross-section right here with these two lovely ladies. So yeah. don't you think social media to a degree hurts brand loyalty? Because everybody on social media, and I'm guilty of it, we're all looking for the flavor of the week. We're all looking for what's new. Of course new. you are, but, you know, ultimately... I mean, that's just a byproduct of everything in our society today. We're always looking for what's the next great thing. I mean, you can't change human nature. And I think ultimately, I think what you're seeing is as this goes on, I think you're starting to see, I think you start to see once people are into it for five, six, seven, eight years, they start to regress to where they're not as interested in trying everything that's new. They start to become much more selective about what they deem worthy to try. They start to become much more, their humidors start to, they don't start to, they stop buying as much of this and that, and they start buying more of this because I know I like this. So I think it's more a natural progression of the consumer and through their habits than it's really just, I don't think that social media, I think it exemplifies it, or amplifies is a better phrase, but ultimately I don't think it really changes the way consumers approach products. And this is the thing that every advertiser knows. The key demographic everybody's always looking for is, you know, the 25 to 35-year-old, 25 to 40-year-old, because people are still in their lives in a position where they're still making purchasing choices and decisions about what they like and they don't like. Typically, by the time you get to be about 50, 55, you know, you don't really care about experimenting as much. You've kind of figured out this is what I like and what I don't like, and I'm going to take my dollars and my time that I'm going to spend smoking a cigar, and I'm going to select something that I know is going to give me a desirable experience. doesn't mean that you're not going to go out of your way and try some new stuff. But I think that if you talk to most people who have been smoking cigars eight-plus years, I bet their sampling set has gotten smaller over time. They don't go as out on the limb as they used to with, oh, this is the newest, hottest thing, so I'm going to instantly buy a box, and I have no idea what it tastes like, and blah, 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 blah. That would be a great question for the week, Barry, right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the negative end of, of the social media part of it, that there'll be um, a lot of – when I hired Barry and, and he – um, knew the social media a lot better than I did and said, you know, th- you should take this in, you should take that in because it's getting big raves on social media. People 
were talking about this. Okay, we'll take it in. We'll take it in. I turned it down for some reason or another. I uh, didn't think it was right, but okay, we'll end up taking it in. And then, you know, a single here, a single there or something, and it, it, it amounted to nothing. And the next thing you know, nobody's talking about it anymore. And I go, actually, bad call. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know why that didn't happen, and time and time yeah, again it happens. but it's a question of you buying smart. I mean, if you're buying a low quantity, having it available to your customers to try, there's really very little risk. If you're buying it deep, then you've got a problem. And, you know, that's why, you know, I, I always, when I, you know. I really don't want to take anything on. I'm going to sell two boxes of it in, in a year. I mean, what's a yeah, sense of. You don't ultimately know what's going to succeed or not succeed sometimes. So sometimes, you know, a little bit of risk can pay great rewards by being one of the early adopters. But ultimately... But I'm, we're saying buy it because social media is doing a lot of talking about it. We chose not to. Right. All of a sudden, it gets a lot of talk on social media. Now we're going to jump in a little late, but mm -hmm. we're going to jump in. And it hasn't proven to me that, you know, by the time we get it in and bring it in at that point, People they're on to something that they're the on to the next are. flavor of the month, like yeah. Barry says. Yeah. You know, the thing about the flavor of the month, though, is it's just such an impossible thing. And I understand why. Here's the, the what's problem. The la what's the last little cigar that got a little a lot of social media buzz and, be and became a... Tatuaje. That was a long time ago. Liga Pravada. Long time ago. Those yeah, are the last but, ones you but, got? But let's be honest. I mean... Not an easy business to establish a brand. I mean, every single trade show, we have roughly 400-plus new introductions between line extensions and brands. And out of the 400, the typical shelf life on them is typically a year to a year and That's a half, right. and they go away. Yep. Um, you know, I always, you know, you know, we think we have a lot of brands today, but we really don't have squat. In 1905, there was yeah. something like 285,000 cigar brands in the United States of America. Uh, I remember reading something recently uh, the New York Times in, like, 1927 reported that New Yorkers were spending more on cigars than, than they were spending on bread. You know what I mean? That's because so, there was places to smoke them. Yeah, maybe, but what, yeah. I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is this cycle of a plethora of unending brands is not a new trend. This has always been the trend. This has always been the way it is, and it's never, ever going to change. And what will end up ultimately happening is very few brands will surface to become ones that become true brands that have any sort of sustainability. It, it's just, it's the way our market works. And, you know, and the other problem that you have is it's very difficult to, you know, we're, the one thing that's consistent about cigars is? Taxing. Well, that's another issue, but. <laughs> inconsistency. Yes. Okay. They can't be consistent. They can't be. I mean, yeah. that's the problem that we all struggle with. We're trying to take something that is a agriculturally based product Okay, and you're trying to, and you're making it entirely by hand, and you're dealing with all these different factors. The struggle is to try to make it the same all the time. And the struggle is real. And it's just, it never really, and it's so, it's very hard to have a really great brand that the cigar that it tasted this way in 1995 tastes the same way in 2005. You're always micro-adjusting, trying to keep it in the same profile. And the ones that do it the best you know, ultimately are the brands that tend to succeed because what ends up happening is a consumer ends up adopting a brand that they really like, okay? And once they've adopted that brand that they like, they'll stick with that brand as long as Cigar keeps delivering to them the same experience. As soon as it starts to change, even if it changes for the better, it's no good because they bought it because of the way it was, not because of how it supposedly improved. 
Okay. Yeah. So they end up going on to something else because they've got a thousand other choices. And even if the brand that was is improved, the they don't you know new consumers don't come back and retry the brand because they've already tried it and they already made a decision and they're thirty seven thousand other brands later into the scenario. So. Ultimately, the goal as a cigar manufacturer is to try to make it as absolutely as consistent as possible. And the problem is we're in a marketplace that doesn't really reward consistency. We're in a marketplace that rewards what's new yeah. and what's hot. And that's not a scenario that sets up for consistency. So as a seller, as a manufacturer, you're kind of like, well, if I want to make a living, this is what I got to do. Because the, the other way is really hard to really build a brand, a sustainable brand. That gets real consumption, where you're talking about $3 million or more in sales a year, it's not an easy task. Very, very few brands exceed that. And a lot of brands that are perceived as being hot, they're literally, you know, 400 boxes of this and 700 boxes of that. And, you know, oh, well, when they buy those 250 boxes, I'll order another 250 boxes. And it's not that they aren't good cigars, there's plenty of great cigars in those mixes. But you don't end up with a product that's consistent enough that you can ever develop a customer base that's going to continually want to consume and purchase that product. I agree, and that's the way it ends up doing. So show of hands, what do we think of this blend, the, the, the blend that didn't make the cut? Is this something you guys would buy? So we got half, yeah. about half the people uh, would buy this. So that's this, a good number, actually. Yeah, this is yeah. The, this is the blend that didn't. So in the next hour, we're going to get to the blend that it actually ended up, and we'll see what the difference is of that. But right now, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, we're going to bring on Derek Stewart. He's the administrator of the Cigar Cartel. Uh, now over 12,000 members. And I want to know how he started and why he did it. Later, we'll bring Steve back on. We'll light up the final cigar, the Sober Mesa, as the finished product and give you our tasting notes, burn qualities, and we're going to pull no punches. We're going to tell it the way it is. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Radio Network. Okay, people, we've just been awarded the Brickhouse Ad Account. Now, this cigar was named Best Bargain Cigar of 2009 by Cigar Aficionado, got a 91 rating, plus it's the hottest cigar on the market. So, we need an award-winning slogan. He's a brick. <laughs> what about it's not your grandfather's cigar? Ah, it's been done. Next. How about good to the last draw? Come on, something original, people. You deserve a brick today? <laughs> Who are you? Do you even work here? Excuse me, sir. Am I to understand that every Brickhouse cigar is built with all the flavor and quality of the premium cigars of yesteryear? Yesteryear? Really? That's right, Bixby. But yet costs around five bucks each. Indeed. Well, sir, people don't really need a slogan. They don't? No, sir. Then what do they need? Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Five bucks and a comfortable chair. Genius! Meet the perfect cigar to share with friends. Brickhouse by J.C. Newman. Handmade in Nicaragua with a fine Havana Subido wrapper. Brickhouse starts out earthy and crisp and burns well-rounded and smooth. Nothing stands the test of a good time like a Brickhouse. For more, visit BrickhouseCigars.com. When you light a Davidoff cigar, you set aglow the richest tradition of cigar making in the world. You release craftsmanship achieved by our investment in that most precious of commodities, time. The time it takes to create a Davidoff cigar as it passes through 600 hands before it arrives in yours. The time it takes to age and mature the tobacco which fills a Davidoff cigar, sometimes as much as 10 years. 
the time it takes to hand-pick, hand-roll, and then carefully hand-check each individual cigar before it is fit to wear the legendary Davidoff white band. In every second of enjoyment, there are decades of experience. In every way, it is time beautifully filled. Cigar smokers, how about if we go over a few cigar store sounds? Can you guess what this is? Think you got it? Okay, do you know what this is? Now for the cigar. What do you think of this cigar? I'm lighting up a Lagiana Havana cigar. The Lagiana Havana natural cigars are, oh yeah, so smooth. And oh yeah, the Maduro version is a bit beefed up. But oh yeah. They're delicious, too. When asked what my favorite cigar is, I always say, it's La Giana Havana. Oh, yeah. Walking in, you're greeted with the aroma of friendship. You move to the humidor and reach into the hallmark molded steel box, retrieving the only cigar worthy of such elegant protection. Your cut is meticulous. The light, easy and full. Your taste buds are immediately inundated with a barrage of wood and rare spice flavors, all finished with a trademark plume of smoke. Moscow City Series from Hammer and Sickle. Live well. Jose Dominguez, Jose Dominguez, Jose, Jose, Jose Dominguez. What the hell are you doing? I'm writing a commercial for Jose Dominguez. Well, what you should be doing is talking about how good they are. That Jose Dominguez makes millions of cigars for other people, but saves the best tobaccos and the best blend for his namesake, Jose Dominguez. Not singing a song, if that's what you think you're doing. What I am doing is creating what is known as a donut. Hey, nobody's going to take away your donuts. No, a donut in a commercial is when it starts with a jingle and then the information comes in and then ends with the song again. The information is the filling of the donut. Why does everything you talk about have to center around food and usually donuts? I don't know. Listen, Jose Dominguez cigars come in four great sizes and two wrappers. The mild, buttery, smooth, natural, and the slightly bolder Maduro. And every cigar is about $5. You know as well as I do, Dave, Jose Dominguez is no $5 cigar. It's worth so much more, it's a sensational value. Okay, here's the end of the donut. You ready? Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. This is Jerry from Ben and Jerry's Ice Cream, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. And we're back live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Studios. You're listening to The Cigar Authority, a weekly broadcast now over five years running about cigars and the nonsense surrounding them. It's a Facebook group with over 12,000 members. They call themselves Cigar Cartel. They're with us today. The administrator, Derek Stewart, is with us. Welcome aboard. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for coming. And uh, I caught you early on uh, sitting in your car on a video. Your Jeep. Yeah. Uh, yep. Smoking a cigar and giving a review of it. Later on, Reddit, Cigar Scoop. Is that uh, right? Well, it was Reddit Cigar Reviews to begin with. Okay. And then I just recently changed the name to The Cigar Scoop. It is the same group. It is the same uh, channel, just with a different name. Oh, okay. YouTube. Yep. And uh, now Cigar Cartel uh, yep. that you go. Um, 
this is not your business, but this is something you do on the side. Yeah, yeah, so, it's definitely it's something fun. So I'm not the only person that runs the place. Okay, I'm I'm helping. Okay, I'm one of the co-founders. All right, it was myself, a guy named Nick Era, and Jeremy Fondy. Are uh, they here? No, they're not. Oh no, okay. No, no, they're they're home. Okay. Jeremy's in Florida, Nick's in California. That's the magic. They of wish they could have been all here. over the place, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, we have we have Jim from Virginia. Okay. So he he took the trip. Nice. Uh, so cigar cartel. Basically, what we wanted to do is we wanted to make a cigar group, and there's plenty of them out there, but they they all are kind of the same thing, and we tried doing it a little differently. All right. So we got a lot of people interested right off the bat and people selling rare cigars and trading and talking back and forth uh and there's a massive community in our group right now and people are all first name basis and it's really cool it's like you can have a really good friend without ever meeting them did you know these other guys before when you i i I knew some of them coming through the door yep i've met some of them before But but how about the guys you perform the organization with those I, I have not met them. Still, still, yeah. Oh my Hol- god, yep. isn't that funny? You still, were. yep. Um, and you know, I, I've known Steve. Steve was a customer from way back when we had the stores in Massachusetts. Uh, it happened to a lot of uh, people that are manufacturers right now. They started off as customers, and I remember talking to Steve. Uh, you know, he w- he was almost a stool. I mean, he was around often, and every hour that um, he wasn't on his regular computer job that uh, he was in cigars, and I pushed and pushed and pushed him, and I said, uh, you love this so much that all your off time is spent in the cigars. I think you need to get into the cigar business and let this be part of it because I do what I love. That's why I own the retail stores I own because I actually love cigars and being around cigar people, so let me actually be in the business, and I can work more hours because I automatically would. Um, and I think this is what you should do. And I pushed and pushed him and finally got into the cigar business. And I, I want to push you, actually, <laughs> into it that you have a regular job that I don't know if you, you love it as much as you love cigars, but it, in the, uh, when you're not doing your regular job, it seems like this is what you're doing. It is. So yep. why don't you get into this business? I, I would love to. It's just taking that jump. Yeah. And i got to take the jump. Um, You're a it, young man. Yeah, yeah. I'm 24. I'll be 25 next week. <laughs> it, I started at 25 years old when I yeah. opened the, the businesses, and I was a cigar smoker beforehand. But that's when I ended up saying, "All right." And 30 years later, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're here. So here's the thing to do. So you're considering it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah? Uh, okay. Cigars have been my passion for. Well, I shouldn't say it. I've been smoking cigars since I was 14. Okay. Yeah. And not, not your typical, like, black and mild wood tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I was... <laughs> Seriously. I was sneaking into cigar stores with my buddy who was of age, and we'd pick ours out and because go out to the register. Some will say, do what you love, and you yep. never work another day the rest of your life. Because yeah, it's, exactly. You know, I, and, I work seven days a week, and it's... And you love it. I love it. Yeah. And it, that's such a hard thing to find for some people. Yes. It, to, to find... The job that you love doing because you're passionate about it is super elusive. Yeah. And not a lot of people get that opportunity. And a lot of people that say to me that, oh, this looks like an easy business and I think I'm going to open a retail store. I try, I do the opposite and I say, what can I do to talk you out of it? Because let me tell you, it's work. Uh, it's not as easy as it. We just don't sit around all day long and smoke cigars. We, we do Speak a lot of yourself. it. But uh, <laughs> it, it, it's work and it's business and all that. But... Um, we love, if you really simply love to do it, then it will be fantastic. And yeah. you're, you're the opposite of somebody I would urge you to actually do it as opposed to telling other people not to do it. And I just wondered why you do something different. 
I would love to. Yeah. Eventually. Okay. Yes. So, definitely. Derek, this is the first time you you said in front of a camera that is not your own. Yeah. Why cigar reviews in a Jeep? <laughs> <laughs> Why not a Cadillac? The, the amount of times I get asked this question, whether it be Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. Because uh, I love it, by the way. Hey, I'm not, I'm well, not disparaging yeah. it in any way. I love it. In fact, that's the reason why I, your reviews caught my eye was the background was – it's obviously a Jeep. It's the Jeep. And it's like, all right, what has this kid got going on? And you're very, you're very good behind the camera. I don't know if, you're, if you have many takes or whatever, but, I mean, you just look like you're a complete natural. But I've always wondered why the friggin' Jeep. <laughs> well, I'd like to clear this up for everyone watching now. Uh, I like the Jeep. I like doing the reviews in the Jeep because it's comfortable. And I can sit there, I stick my camera up on the windshield, and I just go at it. I'm in my own little box. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can say that. I can say whatever I want. Like, I, I tried doing one video inside of a cigar shop. I felt like everyone was staring at me. Like, it was like right so now. Everyone's, everyone's staring at me now. <laughs> How uncomfortable is but, this, right? Just cover yeah, your eyes. Like, they can't see you. <laughs> you know, if people don't know what you're doing and they see you're talking to your windshield by yourself or, you know, just doing whatever, yeah. it's, it's, it's awkward. Yeah. So that's why I like being in the Jeep. It's my own little contained uh, mobile cigar lounge. You pull into a cemetery or something, hide <laughs> in the walls well, around? So, so usually it's Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, really? Dunkin' okay. Donuts, yep. <laughs> yeah, I get my coffee. I set my camera up. I light up and start talking. All right. Uh, obviously, the number of places that we can smoke cigars is dropping. Do you smoke in your house? Uh, no, no. I, I smoke on my deck as long as the weather permits. But I have gone out in zero-degree weather with, you know, the jacket and gloves with some bourbon. And you might have shoveling. a problem. Yeah. There you go. Problem. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to include you in the classic three-way. We're going to have a little fun. You've heard, okay. heard it done before and how it's done? Uh, if you could repeat the All right. It it's, it's, uh, we're going to give the date. Are you going to guess the date of the birth? person's birthday without going over it's right now it's time for the classic three-way brought to you by classic cigars you've heard of epic rap battles but now it's time for the epic battle wow it's kind of intimidating to be in the presence of so many great athletes for this day anyone about this i'll kill you i'm kidding i'm kidding in classic history is looking at you kid brought to you by classic cigars nervous Yes. All classic cigars are handmade and imported from the Dominican Republic, and every cigar is priced under, get this, under $3 per cigar. You like that, baby? Let him know where I came from, yeah! Choose any blend, including the classic Connecticut for its mild and smooth taste, the classic Maduro for its bold and spicy flavor, or the classic Cuban for its sweet, sun-grown, and nutty overtones. That's Undertones, you idiot! Whichever classic you choose, it's a classic cigar. Available at twoguyscigars.com. That's twoguyscigars.com. Celebrate today with a classic cigar. And Chuck Morrison uh, blew you guys away last week. Blew yeah, you listen, away. I listened to the podcast, and I have to say, Chuck, you did a great job filling in for Barron's and myself. Uh, I do believe that you won unfairly. Well, we'll he go. was given points that he was not deserving of. He gets an asterisk. Ninety percent of success in life, Jonathan, is showing up. That's wow. it. Ninety percent. <laughs> so you didn't show up at all. But uh, Chuck is going to sit this out. It's going to be you three guys over here, and we're going to see what ends up happening. It's the closest without going over. It's celebrating their birthday today. Mr. Jonathan, we'll start with you. Is Billy Graham? Do you know who Billy Graham? Is? I do. He's an evangelist, religious leader, beloved American Christian evangelist who rose to celebrity status in 1949 and operates a variety of media and publishing outlets. He appeared in the Gallup's list of most admired men 
uh, and um, is regarded as America's, America's pastor. Now, now, pastor. Now, listen to this. The spiritual advisors advises numbers um, number of presidents, and he bailed out Martin Luther King out of jail in the 1960s when he was arrested for demonstrations. These are hints that I throw on there of dates to help, and I'm saying this uh, to help um, Derek out, but he was born today. Billy Graham, what year? I'm going to go with 1934. 1934. Derek, I'm what year? I'm going to say 1931. 1931. I got 1923. 1923, and you're all over, so there's no points. It's 1918. Wow. So see how that works? Without wow. going over. So now it's going to go to you, Derek. Okay. Celebrating their birthday today is Christopher Knight. Do you know who he was? Christopher Knight? Peter Brady? Michael? Yes, he was! How do you know that? I was going to go with Michael Knight's (laughs) bastard child. He's uh, Peter Brady in the 1970s series, The Brady Bunch. Uh, His only substantial acting role, he voiced characters in 2005 in Madagascar. Also, uh, before appearing on The Brady Bunch, he had parts on TV shows Gunsmoke and Mannix. So, Christopher Knight, uh, Peter Brady, celebrating his birthday today. What year? I'm going to go with uh, 1950. 1950, he says Barry. 1955. 55. Uh, I'm going with 1948. 48. And Barry's going to take it at 55. It's 57. So Barry gets a point. You get two points if you get it exact, and we have two questions left. Uh, Barry, today is Christopher Pally's birthday. Christopher Pally. No idea. A.K.A. King Kong Bundy. Remember King Kong Bundy? Always with the wrestler yes. guys. American professional wrestler, stand-up comedian, and actor known as King Kong Bundy achieved mainstream recognition in the World Wrestling Federation in the 80s and 90s. He headlined WrestleMania II against Hulk Hogan in a steel cage for the WWF Championship uh, at WrestleMania VI. Won the uh, championship on WrestleMania VI. Born today, what year? 1949. 1949, he says. Mr. Jonathan. 1945. 45 and... 1947. 47. It's 57, so Barry takes the next point. Barry's 2-0-0 and one question left. One question left, Mr. Jonathan. This is... Day. Not birthday, but it happened this day. Magic Johnson, American professional basketball player who played point guard for the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA for 13 seasons, announced he was infected with HIV and retires from the NBA. Remember when that happened? I do. Okay. What year was that? 1987. 1987. Derek. What year did that happen? Yes. 86. 86. And Barry? 88. 88 for the point. Barry, it's a shutout. Uh, it was 1991. It's a shutout for Barry, and that's how it's worked. One quick question. Next week is Derek Derek's birthday, November 18th. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. What year was he born? He gave you guys a, a hint earlier, uh. but you weren't paying attention. <laughs> the answer was there. What year was Derek born? Uh, let's see. We're in... Uh 15, so 95. 95, and what do you say, Barry? 90. 90 for the point and the double point. It's 1990. You You were paying attention. (laughs) So this classic day in classic history is brought to you by Classic Cigars. Whatever classic you choose, it is a classic cigar. And a quick reminder, on your birthday, come into any two-guys smoke shop location, and we'll see Derek on uh, his birthday on November 18th. 
Stop by and get a free happy birthday cigar just for you. Terry from our Seabrook store, the manager over at Two Guys in Seabrook, he wants to know how big your deck is. His deck. How His big, deck. Is, how His big deck. my deck? Your deck is. How big is your deck? <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it's a pretty big one. It's a pretty big one. He's proud so, to say. Yep. Two cigar-related questions, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, what do you like to smoke on the regular? And the follow-up is, if you could list your top five of all time. On the regular, uh, it, it, it kind of changes every now and then. I, I had been on Liga Pravada for a couple years before. Um, but I just recently switched over to the Crown Heads La Imperiosa. I've been smoking that a lot. That's been my go-to since they came hot, out. Hot cigar I, this year. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. Yeah, uh, it tastes really well. Um, I, I really did like the uh, Las Calaveras twenty fourteen. Yeah. And when I heard that was coming out, it was going to be a similar yeah. same same blend. I was excited. So. To you, is it the same? No. Okay. No. Okay. I, how, I how, agree. How about this cigar that we're smoking right here? So we're going to call this the uh, Subramosa Reject or 007. Uh, 007? Yep. What do you think? Any I, flavor notes, anything? Very good. I like that. Uh, slightly sweet with a dry mouthfeel. Lots of wood, cedar, smooth. I'm enjoying. I got cayenne pepper and a little bit of sweetness. I got a woody bite and uh, hints of charcoal, but... Hardwood charcoal, not the little briquettes. Yeah, not those briquettes. A <laughs> uh, lot, uh, lot more full body to my my taste profile. Yeah. It's a little too heavy little for heavy me. heavy on the chest. A uh, li- little uh, straight down the middle type of sharpness is happening here. Uh, burning well, uh, acting like an aged cigar. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, everything's going good, but uh, that's my thoughts of it. It's not something uh, you're going to be able to buy or anything. I don't know what he's going to do with these last few hundred. Uh, I'm willing to buy them, even though he's he's not willing to sell them. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, let's go to break. And, uh, Derek, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Awesome. Cigar thank you, out. guys. Thank you for coming. Ah, the first o- Here we I love come. you, too. Here we go. <laughs> when we come back, uh, we're going to bring Steve Saka back on for the official lighting of the Sober, Sober Mesa. Sober Mesa. Why does everybody come up with... Names of things that are very difficult to pronounce, for me anyway. But we're going to have uh, questions for him. we got questions in the mailbag, questions in the chat box. If you've got questions for Steve, throw them in there. We're going to look at uh, Cigar News, Trademarks, and Old Fart Freddy when we get back. We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Radio Network. And if you happen to be smoking the DDT... DTT underscore S underscore 007 from July of 2015. Rolls off your tongue. Always remember, (laughs) keep the lid end out of your mouth. We'll be right back. You know, some football players today remind me of Cuban cigars. They're weaker, they talk too much. And they don't pack the same punch they used to. Take it from Mike Ditka, member of Camacho's Board of the Bold, and check out the new Camacho Carrojo line of smokes. Built for the expert palate and fine-tuned for maximum flavor impact, consistency, and quality. In a world where the success of a cigar brand is recognized by its flavor comes two that go head-to-head. One man smoking two cigars at the same time. Two rappers united in name, but separated by taste. One cigar 
known as the natural. The natural is no lightweight. It boasts full flavor and taste. The United Cigar Natural. Now comes the Maduro. Darker and even more bolder. With in-your-face flavor. United Cigar. Nothing could prepare you for what awaits you in the box. Both box-pressed. Both 65 million years in the making. Uh, that may be wrong. Well, I'm going with it anyway. Action. Adventure. And bromance. That's right. Bromance. United Cigar. Available in natural or Maduro. Available only at appointed United Cigar retailer shops nationwide. Rated D for delicious. Under 18, not admitted even with a parent. United Cigars. You don't have to choose. Smoke them both. Founded in 1989 by Mariana and Nestor Miranda, Miami Cigar and Company proudly celebrates their 25th anniversary with the release of their flagship brand, the Nestor Miranda Collection. Made in Esteli, Nicaragua by Don Pepin Garcia, the collection is available in three distinct wrappers aimed to please even the toughest critic. Nestor Miranda Collection. You only get one life. How will you live yours? This is Jonathan Carney with the Florida Mancana. I'm J.R. Dominguez. This is John Hart. This is Victor Vitale. Hi, this is Pete Johnson. Steve Saka. Hi, this is Phil Zangi. This is a little bit of shake. Is the Cigar Authority. And faith. The authority on everything cigar. In. Get used to hearing it. And out of the cigar industry. Do it. With your hosts. That's a lovely accent you have. David Garofalo. New Jersey. Austria. Austria. Well then, good day, mate. Let's put another shrimp on the barbie. Mr. Jonathan. Dear Lord, baby Jesus, or as our brothers to the south call you, Jesus, we thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of dominoes, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. Barry Stein. That's what I love about these high school girls, man. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> and Chuck Morrison. Is this your place? No, 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 no. No, I live with my mom. Oh. Yeah. You hungry? Hey, Ma! we get some meatloaf? It's time to light them up. There's no smoking in here. It's time. Oh, it's all right, darling. I'm a volunteer fireman. For the Cigar Authority. Hey, shake it back, gal. Woo! Shake it back. Do it. And we're back with our number two, broadcasting live from the LaFleur Dominicana Cigar Studios, today at Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. With us is the Cigar Cartel, and right now we're going to officially light up the Sober Mesa with its blender and creator, Steve Saka. Welcome back, everybody. That's right. You are listening to the Cigar Authority, the only radio show in the U.S. and, yes, the world that is always broadcast on location. And this week, I'm lost. <laughs> this is why I... Hi, I it's tried all doing the it Two Guys Smoke it. Shop, Thank World you. Headquarters in Salem, New Hampshire. And we're not just the only show in the U.S. The entire world that doesn't just allow smoking. We, we insist, insist. We demand. We demand that you light up he's along with us. He's been doing this for five years, but five he's got Steve Sockett next to him. I get he's nervous. Got a, there's an audience here. He's all Listen, nervous. you can tune in anxiety. at thecigarauthority.com where you can watch us live or catch the podcast on demand at any time. Simply find us on iTunes or YouTube where you can set it and forget it on both. Sober Mesa. Sober Mesa. Why Sober Mesa, Steve Saka? Um, Sober Mesa, it translates to over the table. That's the literal translation. But um, what it actually is, is it's an idiom that's used in Latin culture to describe the time after you eat your meal, whether that be the final dinner or the afternoon meal. And in Latin culture, what they do is 
once they have their meal, they don't get up from the table and go play Xbox and do whatever they're going to do. As a, you know, they stay at the table as a family with friends, and they just hang out, and they, uh, they drink coffee, and they eat a little dessert, and they smoke their cigars, and they have a little, uh, a little scotch or a little digestivo or whatever. And that period of time when they're sitting at the table after the meal is referred to as sobra mesa. Okay, perfect yeah. timing. The meals have arrived. Uh, food is coming in now, so they can partake in that. Or uh, I'm going to actually do it the opposite way, and I'm going to smoke first, and then I'll eat after. I front-end load anyway. Fat guys <laughs> do that. We eat in advance. Um, but um, beautiful-looking. Uh, well, actually, these aren't beautiful-looking. These are. I, I should have said this to you guys. Okay. These are the unsorted ones. They came in the, uh, the test shipment. So these are, these are non-color sorted, non-aesthetic ones. These are, uh, this blend's fine, but I'm just telling you, these, these aren't as pretty as the ones that are in the box. These are really the ones that are meant for me to smoke. And being the cheap bastard that I am, they're the ones that I ended up to bring to give away. I didn't think about it. That's the type of morning I've been having. So, uh, okay. But it's the same exact cigar oh, absolutely. or something. Maybe, maybe the wrapper it wasn't pretty enough. It still looks good, enough. man. It does. It looks good. You yeah, turn this down. You know, beer goggles maybe. I don't know. Okay. So we have, <laughs> a, we, have, we, have, we have a foot band on it that says Sober Mesa. You have a crown that's on the front of it and the DTT uh, on the back of it. Um, uh, golden brown. Uh, beautiful looking. Um, so uh, let's do it. Let's give it a cut and light. Let's start this, uh, this thing off. Right now it's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting is brought to you by our friends at Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand that while all of the cigar brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for, and I can't find my notes, quality, comfort, and price. No, that's the furniture guys, right? <laughs> Tradition. Tradition. God. Oh, you guys are a mess. We are. <laughs> Unless you're reading it. It's they say the quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellence. Quality, tradition, and excellence. That's Perdomo Cigars, and they're cutting it. So Nick, get a refund. There you go. No, you get <laughs> wow. extra for that. that that's extra because we talk about it all the more. That's the beautiful so thing. So I'm, I'm looking at the wrapper, and there's some, like, little crystals. Mm-hmm. Is that from the soil content? No, it's just oil. It just ends up. Crystallizing on the surface as it dries. You guys ever have those? Uh, they call them ices where I'm from. The long uh, plastic-covered Kool-Aid really yes, that yes. gets frozen. Yeah. This is the red one. Just tasting it. The dry <laughs> taste is the red one. Like a little, <coughs> little cherry. Where the hell do you come up with it? Does he? It just pulls him out of his butt. <laughs> So we're going to use the uh, Vertical Vortex. This is the Vertical Vortex. It's a triple jet, double big-ass tanked lighter. Uh, big adjustment wheel at the bottom here so you can control the size of your flame. Uh, even though it's three jets, they all come to a point, so you do have pinpoint accuracy as you go to toast the foot of your Sober Mesa. And, uh, 14 that's it. 99 $15 lighter. It acts as a table lighter. It stands up on its own. They did a nice job with this. We sell hundreds of these things. If you guys don't own one of these, you should. Um, because you this, can is, this is the lighter that I keep in my car because the tank is always full. It never runs out. So when every other lighter fails, I have this in the car That's as the call. backup. Right off the bat, I find this one to be more balanced and a little bit smoother. Well, yeah. Much more smoother. Not that sharpness down the center right. of my tongue. I think as you smoke it, you're going to notice that this one is richer. It's going to be the primary thing that you're going to identify. Mm -hmm. This is a, 
this ultimately ends up being a much more richer configuration of the same leaves. And we have the same uh, thickness of that for a cigar? Identical size. Okay. Which is what, five and a half by 50? It's uh, five. That's a good question. What size is it? It's oh, like five and a half so I, I couldn't do for, I couldn't do the. Uh, I think it might be five and a quarter by fifty. Quality, tradition, and excellence. He doesn't know the same the yeah. size of what his the, own cigar. What difference does it make? Well, let me ask you this: When you blend it, is this the size you blend it? Is this no, what you're playing I, with? There's really in this particular line. There's two blends. There's a lot. There's a blend that's consistent for the uh, for the fifties through fifty four, and of which there is no fifty currently. But that blend would translate over to the 50. The 52s and the 54 are identical. And then the blend that's utilized in the uh, Corona Grande, which is a 44 ring gauge, and the Cervante Finos, which is a Lonsdale and a 46, is a slightly different blend to adjust to the size. So there's two kind of ligas going on. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why, and all the sizes slightly smoke a little different. I mean, the Corona, in my opinion, is probably the sharpest of the group, which is very typical for that format. Um, the uh, you know the largest size the uh, Gran Imperiales which is like a seven by fifty four it's probably the most mild of the cigars particularly in the first couple three inches until it starts to build into it you know the robusto as typical with the robusto you tend to get a little bit more strength sooner you know so it's uh, so there is slight differences all five cigars don't taste the same and I, what I think you're going to find is I think you're going to find that some consumers are going to really love the smaller rings, and there's going to be other consumers that are going to really like the larger rings, you know, because there, there is definitely a difference because of the format of the Vitola and the way it smokes, and ultimately because there are some slight blend adjustments between the two formats to try to take into consideration the difference in combustion. Do you recommend smoking all the sizes at the same time to see um, what you like? No, I, I don't really care, you know. I, I think that what I would do is I would smoke the size that you normally like as being your baseline because ultimately you're probably going to decide whether you like a cigar or you don't like a cigar based on the size that you're very comfortable with. I mean, if I had to encourage people to try anything, I would encourage them to try one of the smaller formats and one of the larger formats, and I think that they would get a pretty fair sampling of what they could expect, you know. But... uh Ultimately, I don't think there's a need. Look, I don't think there's any consumer that's going to buy five different samples and try all five sizes before they decide whether they want to spend more money. It's kind of one of these things where they're going to try it and, and, and go from there. The thing about this cigar, though, is because it is a more balanced, nuanced style of blend, it's something that you know is better if you could kind of smoke it fresh, something where you have the time to focus on it. Because, you know, it's, it's not a cigar like, you know, like with the Liga Blend. The Liga Blend is very in-your-face. I mean, you know whether you like it or you don't like it right away. And when you start getting into these cigars that I'm going to call it more elegant in style, a little bit more refinement in them, sometimes it takes a little while for you to start to really pick up on the nuances. I mean, I have like, you know, there's some basic, you know, I can just give you what I get out of it. I get a sweetness, I get a cocoa kind of taste out of it, and I get a cedar. Those are like the three primary kind of high-end notes that I get out of it. But then separate of that, I, I get some little weird things out of it. Um, I find that I get a little bit of anise, licorice, out of it. I find that I get a little bit of uh, honey out of it. I find that I get a little bit of, uh, this is a really weird one. For me personally, I get a little bit of that, um, that uh, Sri Lankan 
Cinnamon. You know that cell. Hang on a second. Hang on a second. <laughs> like, who do you think did you are? Did you or did you not just bust my balls about <laughs> what I tasted on the pre-light? And I, I did. But Sri here's Lankan the difference. Cinnamon. <coughs> I've smoked a thousand. Obviously. I've, sm- I've already smoked somewhere over 800 to 1,000 wow. of this final blend over the last six months. So, I mean, I've had a lot of time to think about it, you know. I'll say. So, for me, you know, it's, it's you know, it's – so, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not expecting the typical consumer – to pick up on these notes. What I'm hoping is I'm hoping they're going to decide they like it and buy more. But ultimately, what you get and what you don't get, that's going to be independent to everybody's individual palate. But those are the things that I personally detect in the blend. Thousand cigars in six months. Did I mention I miss you as a customer? I miss you. (laughs) we We just had Derek Stewart on, and he would love to jump in the cigar business in some way. And you're not allowed to answer, don't do it. But what no, advice? That at all. What advice would you give someone like Derek Stewart who would like to get into the business? What's a good starting point? No, for him? I think you know the path that most people take is to get a job with a cigar company, in some sort of you know most come from the sales side. Are you hiring? Be the easiest job. I'm hiring nobody right now. There we go. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Derek. I tried. Yeah, we go. But maybe I can put a good word in for him. He's a yeah. good kid. Yeah, I like his Jeep too because I'm, I'm a Jeeper also. So, but uh, you know, ultimately, I mean, that's the best pathway to entry is to get some sort of real experience the problem that you have is i know these guys that are sales reps you know everybody envies their jobs but the jobs really suck i mean hard work yeah they spend a ton of time on the road you don't really make very much money ultimately you're constantly having to scrounge for the bonus and commission your customers which are the retailers are never happy with you Never. And you're, and the companies that they work for are never happy with them because their numbers are never good enough. So they're getting yelled at from the bottom. They're getting yelled at from the top, and they're in the middle, and they really can't affect change on either direction. Talk about a so classic three-way. Here we go. It's, it's a tough, tough gig. gig. I mean, it's, it's a hard one, and you pretty much – you never have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday ever. They don't exist because that's when all the events occur. And you can pretty much plan on being in your car 120,000 miles a year. Is pretty much what you're going to do on it. So, I mean, I know when we go to cigar events and you see people standing there and it looks like, oh, they're smoking, they're having a good time, and they're telling jokes. For them, that's Groundhog Day. That's exactly what they did the day before, the day before that, and the day before that. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's a little bit – it's not as easy a gig, but ultimately it's always best to come to – like, for example, I'd love to open a restaurant. I think we have no good barbecue joints in the state of New Hampshire. You know what I mean? We don't. We, I just – every time I'm like, oh, you know. But I don't know anything about the restaurant business. You know what I mean? So I would never, ever get into it. Do I think I make a mean rack of ribs? Yeah, I think my ribs are fantastic. But ultimately, I'm wise enough to know that I'm not getting into the barbecue business because I don't know anything about the ins and outs of the barbecue business. So I think, that, you know, that's the other thing. And the other thing, too, is it's a very, um, it's a very low return business on this end of it in the beginning. The only way that you actually start to make money is in volume. And so it's not a it's not a get rich quick scheme. I mean, for the most part, when you look at the companies that have been successful, the guys that have done it, you think about from the boom era, we had thousands of people enter the industry, and out of those thousands, how many really succeeded? You know, Nick Perdomo, right. Jonathan Drew. I mean, I don't know that we could come up with a list of ten people right. out of those thousands of people. Now I'm not discouraging anyone from doing it because you can do it. Okay, I mean, look, I, I was just an internet cigar geek. I started off on AOL and then a Usenet news group 
You know what I mean? So, yeah. I mean, it's not like my great-great-grandpappy was growing tobacco, which, oddly enough, he was, but that's a separate issue. But it had nothing to do with, <laughs> you know, what I, what I did. And, I mean, Ernesto Perez Carrillo, he was a drummer. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Padron, he used to be a, an immigrant on public assistance that worked as a carpenter. You know what I mean? Patel I mean, was a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, so people come out of other things to do this. You don't have to be born into it. But it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of investment, and depending on how you approach it. I mean, you can do it with very little money. You know, if you're willing to get in your car and drive every place, and you, you get 200 boxes of cigars made, and you go and you schlep them, maybe you can do it for twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. I mean, to do like Sober Mesa, I can tell you right now, I'm out of pocket. I'm about a million and a half into this. Yeah. Wow. You know. Wow. Yeah. Well, just rip it off like a band. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, but the reason why is because I'm I'm too picky for my own good. You know, I want to. I didn't want to rely on the tobaccos the factory had, so that required me to buy tobaccos. So I'm buying wrapper. You know, we're working out the first pallone on this wrapper. Well, I've got three other pallones already purchased. You know what I mean? So that money's tied up. Yeah. By having it there, you know, so you have these commitments. So it's, it's very, very large to do it this way. Mm. I don't know that I would recommend for someone to do it this way. I have the benefit of the last 20 years of experience that I'm willing to take the risk. I feel as though I feel as though there's a good chance of success, whether this product ultimately will be a success or not. I honestly don't know because we're in a very, very odd business. You have plenty of great cigars that fail. You have plenty of lousy cigars to succeed. Yeah. You never know what the consumer market's going to think or not think. Um, you know, I, I look at some of the brand names on the shelves, and I go, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. But yet, it flies off the shelf. I look at other things, and I think, wow, that's gorgeous. Who wouldn't buy that? just sits there, goes stale. Yeah. So it's a, it's a very odd, odd business. There's no, like, instant recipe for success. And ultimately, <coughs> what ends up happening is you have to grind it out. And I know when you look at the overnight success stories, Typically, it takes them about 10 years to be an overnight success. And uh, so I wouldn't discourage anybody, but you have to go into it pretty open-eyed about what you're really getting into. I will say that most people that have been successful, they probably wouldn't have gotten into it if they knew everything in advance. And in fact, the naivety is what kind of propels you because by not knowing, you just deal with the problems as they come. Okay. Sure. And and it forces you to move forward. So I don't know that because some of the most talented, gifted people, they would never ever launch a brand. You know what I mean? Because they're just like, I don't want to deal with all that. Can you disclose? You know, you mentioned production volume is a big part of the game. Yeah. So the million and a half that you have invested. Yeah. What's your volume? Well, my current volume is only a thousand boxes a month. Actually, it's going to be twelve hundred boxes a month because I added the torpedo size. Um, and that's really a byproduct of not the tobacco I purchased, but it's a byproduct of the tobacco that will be ready. Um, the one thing that uh, the one thing that I didn't want to do is I didn't. There's two things I I didn't want to try to make a lot of cigars. And a thousand boxes a month is a lot for a small startup brand. It's not a small number, but I didn't want to go hog crazy because you have no idea whether it's going to do well or not do well. Number one. Number two, you know, there's a lot. It's not just making the cigar part. It's all the logistics part, you know, the accounting systems and the shipping and the credit card processing and, you know, the customer service and all these things that are all integral to it, you know, and, you know, the packaging inventory and whatnot. So you have to deal with the scope of that also. Um, For me right now, 
I have enough tobacco that I feel comfortable to make cigars with to make 12 months of production that's ready to go 100% that I'm like, yes, this tobacco can be made into a cigar. Beyond that, my next wrapper Pallone is supposed to, I think it'll be done in February. It might be done in March. It might be done in April. That's my big bottleneck at this point production-wise. Um, once I see that that wrapper is 100% ready to go, I'll then be willing to increase production if there is demand for it. But what I don't want to do is, like, like, for example, we went to the trade show, and we were very blessed. We basically sold five months of inventory at the trade show. Um, so we sold the first a little, actually more than a little over 5,000 boxes total with all the commitments. Now, I had the tobacco to make all those cigars, but if I made it and the other Pallone doesn't come online, then you could end up having like a four- or five-month gap in the marketplace where there absolutely is no cigars. Which is death. Which I think is bad because what you're trying to do is you want to build a relationship not just with the retailer but also the consumer of that retailer so that they like it, that they're going to be able to go in there and buy it with some sort of regular frequency. The other thing, too, is the truth is these cigars are going to be the worst cigars. The first month's production, I'm telling you flat out, will be the worst. And the reason why is because you don't make good cigars in batches. I know that everybody's small batch, small this, small that. It's nonsense. The way good cigars get made is when the Torcedor sits there, the Bonchero and the Rolera, and they make the same cigar every single day, day in, day out. You want a consistent, well-made cigar? You want them repeating that action over and over and over again. So they actually make better cigars in month three than they make in month one. You know what I mean? Because they get into the groove. They get used to it. And when you make a lot of cigars quickly, you end up with a lot of people making them. You don't have nearly as much control. When you make them in batches and you have to start and stop a pair, you move them from this size to that size or more from this blend to this other blend in a factory, they're just simply not as good at it as just keeping them steady state and letting them make the exact same thing every single day. So, you know, when we come back from the trade show, mathematically, I should have tobacco ready. There's no reason why I couldn't increase it, but I know that in the beginning, I know the cigars won't be as good as they'll be in but three or four really months. But isn't that really splitting hairs? I mean, is the regular consumer going to be able to tell the difference between this cigar yeah, and the one that comes you, you out? Yeah, but you the whole month? point. I don't care about the consumer. I care about <laughs> there me. There we go. <laughs> Very because, different. Because ultimately. Very different business plan, I must say. Because my, my attitude is if I'm happy, then I think there'll be a number of consumers that will also be happy. But if I'm not happy, then, then I don't expect other people to like what I don't particularly like. So, so for me, you know, I, I'm a much – I'm a big – and this part of it is I don't just come from the sales and marketing end of it. I come from the actual factory operation end of it, and I actually understand what's involved in day-to-day -day production. So I know that what works best in a factory. So I'm trying to accommodate that need and bounce it off. And ultimately, I mean, I don't really care. You know, everybody's like, oh, aren't you excited? You sold all these cigars at the show. You had a wonderful hit. Oh, congratulations. It's all nonsense because it doesn't really matter what these guys buy today, okay? Because I'm sure that all this first batch is going to sell out, and I'm sure all of next month is going to sell out. And I know all the month, next four months are sold out, right? What really counts is eight months from now, are people still buying it? Mm. Two years from now, are people still buying is it? Is it in someone's regular you rotation? Know, is it in somebody's rotation? That's what's important. That's what you're hoping to achieve. So, you know, and that's, and that's why, you know, for a long term, that, that's what I care about. I don't care about having the hot brand. 
What do you think the aging potential of the cigar is? Is there something somebody should no buy clue. and put aside? You, you, you didn't take any of the, your first batches and the stuff? The first put batch aside? was seven months ago. Yeah, that's it. So I mean, so what do we know about aging? I don't know what it's going to taste like in three years. Do I think it's going to hold up? Yes. I'm, this is a lighter cigar for me. I would, on a 10-point scale, I'd put it like at a six and a half. Okay, this was a totally different departure than what I normally smoke. I normally smoke stuff that's a lot more stouter and a lot more rough than this. That's my typical consumption. More like the first one we smoked. Not like the one you first smoked. I wouldn't have smoked that one anyways. But what I would, but I'm saying something that's more in that Liga genre. Okay, that's always been where my tastes have kind of skewed. I'm a fat, schlubby guy, and I tend to like kind of those kind of kind of rough and ready kind of cigars to a certain degree. This, me making something that's more balanced and more nuanced and more sophisticated, uh, look at me. I'm not a sophisticated, nuanced kind of guy. So this is a real departure for me to even try to attempt to do this style of cigar. What I'm hoping is I think I've got the strength level and the richest level to a point that I think guys that smoke in that realm will also get enough satisfaction out of this. Okay. But it's certainly not the same as smoking a La Florida Minicana double Ajero. It's not the same as smoking some of Skip Martin's, you know, stuff like Neanderthal. And those are you know, two cigars that I really enjoy. But that this brings is a, me actually it's a mind. much different experience, this cigar. What else do you smoke? Obviously, in the last six months, you've smoked an awful lot of your stuff. But other than that, when you depart from your own blends, what are you liking in the marketplace? You know... I've been pretty much focused on my own stuff, but I mean, stuff I stock in my humidor all the time is I pretty much always stock 1926 Padrones in Maduro. That's a pretty much a good standby for me. I tend to always stock, I, I like some of Pete's, uh, the Tatuaje Blacks. That's something that I really liked. I really got excited about the, uh, the Las Calaveras from last year. I bought a ton of those. I stocked those in my humidor. All, all and, Nicaraguan? Um, primarily Nicaraguan. You know, I, I still sprinkle in some Havanas. Um, you know, I used to be a Cuban-only smoker for a good seven-year-plus stretch, but that was a byproduct of the fact that I wanted stronger cigars, yeah. and there weren't a lot of strong cigars in the U.S. marketplace in the mid-'90s. Sure. Um, and today, most Havanas, I don't think when you put them compared to Nicaraguans, uh, a Bolivar or a Partagas or a Monayones, which were considered really strong cigars, I think today they pretty much hit about a five or a six on the strength scale at most. You know, and it's not that those cigars have so much changed. It's just that the level of strength and full-bodiedness that we're now getting out of these Nicaraguan tobaccos has so eclipsed that that it's significantly different. Because back then, about the only two cigars I smoked was some, you know, I smoked La Gloria Cubanas, I smoked El Rico Habanas, and I smoked Cuba Aliados uh, from mm -hmm. Orlando Reyes Sr. Because those were like three of the cigars that I got really good strength levels out of. I mean, 1994... Uh, the product from General, the Partagas, the Dominican Partagas, was considered a strong cigar in the marketplace. I mean, today, I don't even know on our scale if it would hit a three, a right. three and a half. Yeah. And that was literally, you know, that was an eight or a nine, you know, 20 years ago, palette-wise, for the marketplace. So everything has migrated to much more um, fuller, richer, stronger. You see that in everything. You see that in foods. You see that in liquor. I mean, that general trend of more, more, more has become very popular. I kind of noticed in the last three years, market-wise, I see some of that dialing back where people are kind of settling more to a little bit less aggressive on the palate. Um, but ultimately, there's always a market for those strong cigars. And I have to tell you, making an uber-strong cigar is much easier than making a mild cigar. 
and much easier than making a more balanced medium cigar because that strength helps to hide a lot of sins. Sure. You know? Sure. Right now, it's time to take a peek into the aging room. Let's listen to our friend Old Fat Freddy. It's time to step into the aging room. Sometimes, aging makes a great cigar even better, just like aging room cigars. They're made in small batches from rare and limited 100% Dominican tobaccos. And here in our aging room is Old Fart Freddy. Nowadays, people have a camera on their phones. It's a perfect shot every time. In my day, my wife had this giant camera on a tripod. I would stick my head under her hood and flick that little button until the leather curtains opened up. Talk about exposure. Nowadays, if your animal escapes, it becomes the rest of the world's problem. In my day, if your jackass got out and damaged anything, you had to handle it, repair it, or pay for it. No questions asked. Nowadays, people are all about many everything. Phones, muffins, and cookies are all starting to look the same. In my day, the phone had its own room. Muffin tops hung over everything, and my wife's cookie was so big, you could write Happy Birthday Old Fat Freddy on it and still have room for the Pledge of Allegiance. We were big cookie-eating, under-the-hood button flickers that kept their ass under control. Sometimes, aging makes a great cigar even better. Just like aging room cigars. Made in small batches from rare and limited 100% Dominican tobacco. Try Aging Room Cigars from Boutique Blends. Some things are better aged. Some are not. I would rather be responsible for a whole ass than be an asshole. There we go. Next week uh, on the show, we are going to go through Trunk Show Cigars from 2002. You mentioned Ernesto Correa earlier. Um, He came out with a cigar in 2002. Um, very, very limited cigars at trunk shows. We put a whole bunch of them aside, and we passed them out uh, to our group on the Cigar Authority Care Package. If you're interested in the Cigar Authority Care Package, it is $19.99 per month, and every month you get four cigars. Four cigars we're going to smoke on the show. And um, if you want to be part of that, the next ones go out at the end of the month. But next week we're going to smoke two of those cigars. One is a Connecticut La Gloria Cubana, and the other one is a Cameroon La Gloria Cubana. Uh, only made once in 2002, and we're going to smoke those cigars on the show next week. Right now, it's time to take a peek into the asylum from our friends at Asylum Cigars. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha, they're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha, to the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats, and they're coming to take me away, It's time for news from the Insane Asylum. Odd and sometimes historic news stories that are too insane to be true, or are they? Brought to you by Asylum Cigars Take No Prisoners. Asylum Cigars are truly flavorful, medium-bodied Nicaraguan cigars with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the absolutely insane 8x80. That's right, that's Asylum. Since it was dreamed up in the 60s, We've been trying to get as much out of as much of our life as possible to be wireless. Early on, the wireless TV remote made the laziest activity to date burn even less calories. During the tech boom of the 80s, we saw wireless remote control cars and eventually the wireless handheld cell phone. Scientists this summer saw the combination of extreme sports and wireless connectivity combined for the first time when they invented the wireless bungee jump. Donning nothing But a vest containing polarized magnets, the athlete leaps off of an 80-foot platform into a targeted field of electromagnets charged with the opposite polarity. The result is the same effect as if he were attached to a bungee cord, although in my case the result would be better 
because there'd be no poop to clean off the bungee cord. That's insane. That's asylum. They're coming to take me away. It is. You would never, right? You don't want to skydive? Hell no. No. I have a good life. Why would I want to screw it up with some nonsense like that? Go splat. Some people want to take these risks. I don't get it, but they do. So what is our thoughts on Sober Mesa? You've been quiet over there, Barry Stein. You're the biggest geek in this group. What do you think? It's not as full-bodied as I expected Steve's first cigar to be. But it's very smooth, very balanced. But he let everybody know that coming yeah. in, right? This is not going to be. But I still was looking for something heavier. Still, once won't. you get out of that mindset, it's a very balanced, smooth, complex cigar. Yeah, I was afraid that this it's was going to happen. You know, as we talked early on, as you, you began it, people expected the Liga Pavada from you. Yeah, you know, but ultimately. Look, that would be the easiest path. It's not like I don't know the recipe to make Liga Pravada. Yeah. So I could just churn out Liga Pravada. But that would be kind of a douchey move, wouldn't it? Well, it would be the easiest way to do it and give them what they expected. But this is showing that you're not a one-trick pony, that you can produce other things. And, you know, and ultimately, I, I've got a lot of years ahead of me. And the other issue is, for me, it also has to do with wrapper material. You know, it takes a couple of years to work that broadleaf the way it needs to be worked. Now, I already have broadleaf pullones that I'm currently working for the next project. So, I mean, I, I am going to make another cigar that kind of goes more into that genre, flavor profile-wise, because it's something that I really, really enjoy. So that, that project is definitely something that will come down the pike. Is there an approximate timetable for that project? Not really. When it's ready, it's ready. You know, but uh, ultimately, uh, I mean, what I'm hoping is I'm like anybody. I, I'd like to be able to have a portfolio of brands that will meet. I would like to have something that a lot of people ultimately will find, oh, I like that one. This one's for me. This one isn't for me. That's kind of what you're shooting for. Yeah, have you something know. for everybody. So you have plans to go stronger with the uh, broadleaf. Yeah, but, the, but, but the, blend is, the blend isn't harder, you know, isn't done. I, I'm not working on anything super mild at this point. I mean, I've been playing with some stuff, but I find the problem I'm having with the really mild end of the spectrum is because I don't personally smoke very many mild cigars, I find it not to be satisfying to my palate, and I find that I tend to oversmoke them because I'm trying to force more out of it than the tobacco can give, and it ends up just tasting bitter and acrid. So I don't know that I'm capable of being the guy to make a really, really great mild cigar because I don't think I'm a good judge, ultimately. How about you, Chuck Morrison? What do you think of it? Yeah, I like it. I'm going to agree with Barry a little bit on, uh, you know, uh, medium for me, straight medium, but it's very balanced. I really like the balance to it. You were mentioning some uh, some cedar notes, mm-hmm. a little bit of honey. Definitely getting that. Um, but for me, I, I mean, it's right in my wheelhouse. I mean, I like, yeah. the, I like the medium. I'll, I'll tell you, I like it, yeah. and, and I'm not a Liga Pavada fan. Right. It's, it's too full body for me. This is more up uh, my wheelhouse. Cedary, cinnamon. I don't know about that from where you got the cinnamon, but the cinnamon I buy in the store, the cheap stuff, there's cinnamon, there's, there's um, cedary notes to it, and it's not overpowering to me, so I can enjoy it and taste it. How about you, Mr. Jonathan? There is a There is a cooling factor, and that's where I think you, the anise you were talking about, that licorice flavor. Uh, if you ever had a, a good piece of real licorice, not Twizzlers, but real licorice, after you eat it, if you inhale and you blow, bring that the air over your palate, it has a cooling effect, and this has that. So you have the heat from the smoke and the heat from the cinnamon, but also cooled out by that anise factor. Uh, so, again, you've achieved good balance with this. And I like the band as well. I'm a, I'm a design guy. so I really you know, Another thing that I really like about the cigar is the retrohale on it. It's amazing, in my opinion. 
I mean, I don't know that's how many of you read your hair. Right. That's when the sweetness pepper. comes in. It's, it's there. Nice. You know, I didn't get get even the hot. So retro hail is. That's the retro hail. The retro hail is. It happens every time. It's part it's of the charm. It's a very pleasing retro hail. Very pleasing. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> very, very pleasing. Yeah. Smooth. Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the retro hail is good. And I think for the guys that like more strength, I, I think I would suggest to them that they ought to try one of the smaller formats. Mm-hmm. Because the smaller formats, you get a bit more zip and a bit more punch out of the out of the Corona and out of the out of the Lonsdale, and they may find that more satisfying. Or you them. could just retro heal. I got plenty of zip out of that. Yeah, that was good. Now the band looks like a cross between either a Crown or an old fashioned steam vent that would spin as the steam came out. Never saw that. How about that? That, well, we that makes sense, there right? It also yeah. reminds me of Imperial Margin, but that's beside the point. There we go. <laughs> All right, Steve Socket, thank you so much for uh, doing a launch with us and the Cigar Cartel, and uh, we're going to stick around, uh, so don't go anywhere. Steve's going to answer questions for everybody and everything. We're going to stick around. We're going to do a little Sober Mesa and have dessert and uh, enjoy ourselves. So uh, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we get the Recluse Tweets of the Week. We're going to take a peek to our calendar. Gentleman Chuck Morrison is going to get Debonair and lots more. We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Radio Network. Savor this moment. The sparks of conversation. The anticipation of that first draw. Savor the story shared over a cigar like this. A cigar that makes this moment classic. The Avo Classic. Savor a composition of handcrafted Dominican leaf. Graced with notes of 25-year-old tobacco. Richly complex, yet remarkably smooth. Savor a harmony of creamy, balanced flavors. A duet of two cigar virtuosos, jazz and cigar legend Avo Uvazian and master blender Hendrik Kellner. A cigar meant to be shared with friends old and new. The Avo Classic. Savor every note. Visit your local tobacconist or see the complete Avo line at avo.com. I'd like to file a missing persons report. I've lost my one true love. Uh, what does she look like? She is like no other. Her skin, dark, simply gorgeous. Not slender, but firm to the touch. Well, we'll do everything we can for you, sir. The night we met over a fine scotch, it was love at first sight. Details. I need details, sir. Well, she's about five and a half inches tall. You mean five feet tall? No, inches. Oh, she's a mid, a dwarf, uh, a little person. No. She's a cigar. Ah, right, sir. Is she a Fleur de Lorraine cigar? The cigar that men around the world are falling in love with? Yes. Oh, I've seen this before. Louie! Yeah? Uh, get him a Fleur de Lorraine cigar and a list of United Cigar retailers to carry it. Fleur de Lorraine cigars. Simply gorgeous. Available only at appointed United Cigar retailers across the country. Fleur de Lorraine. Stop missing out. Mr. Jonathan, a shadowed figure spinning tunes on records that do not exist. Mr. Jonathan, a young cigar smoker on a crusade to champion the oldies, top 40, 
and yes, even country, with a host of DJs that operate above the mix. Mr. Jonathan is my dance instructor. Mr. Jonathan is my DJ. Mr. Jonathan is me. Mr. Jonathan is my DJ.com, your one-stop shop for everything DJ and sound production. Mr. Jonathan is my DJ.com. He reads the dictionary just for fun. He finds the minutiae of tax preparation enthralling. Years ago, at an open mic night, he was paid just to leave. He is the only man to win a staring contest with the Statue of Liberty. He is so uninteresting to women, he was forced to open a cigar shop to sell to men. He's not even a legend in his own mind. He finds himself boring. His family barely pays attention to him, and his mother refers to him as, Hey you, he is David Garofalo, the least interesting man in the cigar world. Not since Zeno Davidoff has a cigar retailer had a brand named after him. The man himself may be a bore, but the cigar isn't. Garofalo is a premium handmade luxury cigar using U.S. shade wrapper and a blend of Nicaraguan fillers and binder. Complex and very interesting. Garofalo may be the most interesting cigar in the world. It once won a longest ash contest without even being lit. You don't light a Garofalo, it lights you. Its flavor expands on your palate faster than the universe. It has been said that this cigar would be phenomenal as a Maduro, except... It's perfect as it is. I always smoke cigars, and when I do, I prefer Garofalo. Keep smoking Garofalo, my friends. Hey, Jack, I finally found a cigar magazine that I like. Really? What's it called? Cigar Journal. What's so great about Cigar Journal? Is it really different from the other magazines? It is. Cigar Journal is all about cigars. None of the nonsense you see in other magazines. Really? Yeah, it has stories, reviews, and the latest news about premium cigars. Is it a little newsletter? No, I think you'll be very impressed. Cigar Journal has beautiful images, a thick cover, and is strictly for the cigar enthusiast. They cover cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. That sounds interesting. Where can I buy it? Cigar Journal is available at local cigar retailers and on the web at www.cigarjournal.co. That's cigarjournal.co. I'll sign up today. Hi, guys. This is Omar De Frias, owner of Fratello Cigars, and you're listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Retailers Radio Network. Beautiful. And we're back live from the La Flor Dominicana Cigar Studio. Cigar Cartel's with us. We're smoking the Sober Mesa by Steve Saka. New cigars, new trademarks hitting the shelves. And uh, tweets of the week. And, of course, gentlemen, Chuck Morrison, we're back. Welcome, everybody, back to the Cigar Authority. So, Barry, new cigars hitting the shelves and trademarks. What do you got? Well, this week we have the new Sober Mesa hitting the shelves from Steve Saka's Don Barton Tobacco and Trust. Nationwide. Nationwide, and they'll be available at uh, twoguyscigars.com starting tomorrow. Uh, new trademarks this week, Rojas Cigars, LLC, uh, which is the company that actually makes Kilo. Here we go. Uh, they filed for Gallo Pinto. Uh, La Aurora filed for yet another weird trademark with Feelings. Feeling. Feeling. So last week was Nothing Color Dots and Cleek. And who is this? La Aurora. 
Wow. And this week it was feelings. AJ Fernandez files for last call, and Oliva Tobacco filed for non plus ultra. Not to be confused with Oliva, Oliva cigars. cigars. Correct. Oh, really? Yeah. So. Oliva Tobacco is going to make cigars? Well, they filed something called non plus ultra. It might be a strain of tobacco, or it might be some <laughs> kind of marketing thing. Ah. Uh, but that's what they filed for this week, and that's the new trademarks and new releases. Okay. Nice. While you're enjoying life for its fullest, it's important to be debonair. How to be more debonair and gentleman-like is Gentleman Chuck Morrison. You need a gentleman? Gentleman. I'm a gentleman. You need a gentleman? <laughs> you wouldn't want to call me gentleman. Ladies, fasten your seatbelts. Switch on your electronic devices. You need a gentleman? And this is The Gentleman's Way. It's brought to you by Debonair Cigars and Rum. Debonair Cigars provide its clients with suspension of reality. Time spent smoking a Debonair can never be subtracted from one's life. Today, gentlemen, the art of small talk. Three questions to avoid and never ask. Number one, did you go there just for fun? Your buddy just got back from a trip to, say, Virginia, to which you reply, awesome, I love it there. Did you go there for fun? To which your friend replies, well, I went there to bury my grandfather. Oh, God. A better question to ask, what took you out there? You never want to make assumptions. Number two, when are you guys going to have kids? Seems like a fair question to ask your married friends who have been together for years and love children until you discover that they've been trying to have kids without success for years. A better question to ask, none. Don't even ask. (laughs) There we go. If they want to tell you about their plans for producing offspring, trust me, they'll tell you. And number three, this is the classic don't touch with the 10-foot pole question, are you pregnant? Yes. Just don't even go there, ever. No, I just gained some weight, you jerk, right? That's it. (laughs) I I made the mistake of whispering to my friend when I was in high school, asking if his mother was expecting, and he laughed out loud and then said it to his mother while I'm sitting there at his oh, kitchen God. table. I had to make up an excuse to leave. I was so embarrassed. Oh. And it just, the way that her nightgown was fitting, it looked like... Oh, God. Not good. Yeah, don't a, go there. That's the gentleman's way. It's brought to you by our good friends at Debonair Cigars and Rum. The question always is, gentlemen, are you debonair enough? Yeah, I would say those are good calls right there <laughs> yeah, for sure. safe. So as I said, next week we're going to smoke some old cigars, some little glory Cubanas from, my God, 12 years ago. Uh, they are part of the Cigar Authority Care Package. Uh, we had lots of listeners asking to uh, let us know in advance cigars that they're going to smoke so they can smoke along with us. These are two I'm sure they cannot smoke along with us unless they were in the Cigar Authority Care Package from last month uh, because we included that. Now, we didn't have enough cigars Uh, of one kind to go to every single one. So some people in the group got the number one it was called. The number one was a um, Figurado uh, Bellicoso, and it was Connecticut Shade, a Glory Cubana Connecticut Shade, which was only done one time 12 years ago, uh, and that's the number one. Also in that group is the number six, 
the number six was a Cameroon cigar, a short, almost like a short story type of cigar. Very, very special cigar. We'll get into telling you about uh, the makeup of that cigar and what it was and the story behind it. That was part of the cigar care package. If you're interested in being part of that care package, it's only $19.99. It includes four cigars per month. It includes shipping to you, and you're going to get four cigars of which we're going to smoke during the month. So uh, Live on the show. Live on the show. So if you uh, want to be part of it, go on to thecigarauthority.com. You'll see the care package there. Click on it. It'll take you uh, to the place where you can uh, make the purchase. You do that, and this is an automatic thing. So every month we send it to you until you uh, say stop. So it's up to you. You quit anytime you want. But um, as you can see, uh, people aren't stopping. Uh, what's going to happen is we're going to stop when we reach a certain level. So we're a little over the 300 mark. Uh, we're thinking about 500 is going to be a manageable amount to go to, and then we'll stop at that point. Um, and uh, if you're in, you're in. If you're not, you're not. Uh, so that'll be next next week's cigars that we're going to smoke. Uh, we'll smoke both the number one and the number six. Yep. Uh, one in one hour, one in the other. So your, your cigar that you received, whichever one that was, uh, you'll be in there at some point. The following week, uh, Victor Vitali will join us again. And Victor Vitali is the owner of Tortuga Cigars. And uh, with us live will be the Freemasons. We have a group of 50 Freemasons joining the show. Uh, they'll be here having an event while we uh, perform the show. And Victor will be doing uh, much like uh, what's happening here today, that he'll be uh, with that group uh, uh, before, during, and after. Is, is Victor a Freemason? I don't know. I don't think they say if they are or not. Okay. So maybe, they, maybe I don't know. You are Mr. Jonathan, right? Uh, I'm not allowed to tell you. Okay. Is there a difference so. between no. a Freemason and a paid Mason? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. And is a Mason a Mason? I mean, that's a good question. Is a Freemason a Mason? You know, is, is there a difference? I don't know These that either. are all either. great questions. Know. We'll ask those questions. And more. And more. Uh, the following week, uh, and we do this every year. We've done it since 1992. We've put out a uh, package of cigars called the Contenders for the Cigar of the Year. This is what we pick as the best cigars of the year. We make this available to the consumer, and uh, they get this sampling of the cigars, and they help us decide um, for the day before the Super Bowl, uh, they, we announce what the cigar of the year is going to be, and we ask their help for that. The contenders, the best cigars of the year, November 28th on the show, um, and lots more coming up in the future for the Cigar Authority, so stay tuned for that. Right now, it's time for the best tweets of the week, brought to you by Recluse Cigars. It's time for the social media segment brought to you by Recluse Cigars, the cigar that was built on social media. All Recluse Cigars go through eight fermentation cycles over the course of two full years to guarantee you a balanced flavor. Try Recluse Cigars today. And these are the funniest tweets I saw all week. It's amazing how eight glasses of water per day seems impossible, but eight glasses of wine could be done at one meal. True. Here we go. Seeing the waitress emerge from the kitchen with dishes full of food, only to go to a different table, is the worst form of rejection. For it's depressing. Guy. It's yeah, depressing. That stinks. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you're not successful in life, you are guaranteed to get two certificates. What does that mean? Birth and death. Ah. Okay. Curling irons have a warning tag that says, for external use only. Mr. Jonathan, do you know anything about this? There was that one time in college. <laughs> yeah. just, let's not talk about it. And the funniest tweet I saw all week, 
I once dated an insomniac, but it didn't last long. I can never get her to sleep with me. <laughs> Today's social media brought to you by Recluse Cigars, Rolled and Two Bar. The old Cuban way for an effortless and perfect draw every time. Recluse Cigars. Have you tried the Habanos yet? The Recluse Cigars. Awesome. awesome cigar. Delicious. That one's a happening cigar. Uh, so we got time to, to uh, chip away at a couple meal bags. Looks like we do. Okay. All right. The following message was submitted through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com, and Brian writes, Hi, guys. I work at a cigar bar on an island in Thailand. That doesn't suck. I watch your show every weekend in our lounge, and occasionally customers will come and join as well. I'm highly interested in your care package and wonder if you ship here. Uh, I know I'll have to pay extra taxes and the fees, but as long as it's not outrageous, I wouldn't mind joining so I can smoke what you do during your show. On another note, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York. As I'm writing this, your cheaters, um, I mean Patriots, oh. are in town playing oh, us. Oh, see, now that just love just you ruined guys. everything. Hate yeah. your team. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Go Buffalo. Cool. And, Brian, you can go yourself. Yeah, Buffalo. Buffalo. We could have shipped to you, Brian, but you just Yeah, blew. you just wrecked it. How do you not root for winners, right? Just much better. Uh, unfortunately, this is for the U.S. only, uh, the care package, I'm sorry to say. Uh, and... Um, that, that's it. That's all we can do. All right. This one I was hoping that Steve was going to be on because this might, might pique his interest. Okay. Uh, also submitted through the Contact Us page. Good morning, guys. I watch your Saturday show, and I really enjoy it. I know your theme is dedicated to trying new cigars and showcasing top-named cigar manufacturers and the whole political angle of tobacco. What I would like to see you guys do, maybe it's not a good thing to go public with, but I don't know, is the movement of guys like me who have got into growing our own tobacco. I myself prefer... Cigar varieties and grew quite a few here in North Central Illinois, including Criollo 98, etc., etc. I'm a member of the Fair Trade Tobacco Forums and currently buy cured and aged leaf from whole leaf tobacco and until my homegrown leaf is cured, fermented, and ready to use. I'm not a prepper. I just enjoy the hobby. Keep up the good work and thank you for presenting the show. We go and I, people are doing it in Florida. People are trying this thing. It'll be interesting when it's used in a product, and then we're able to talk about it. But to say this leaf we just would don't know. would that come under the guise of FDA regulations? If you're growing your own tobacco and making your own cigars, fermenting it yourself, yeah. Now you're now you're, if you're selling them, 100. percent Yeah. But if you did it just for, I mean, if he was a prepper and he's just doing it for himself, the, you know, the s hits the fan and he's got to do it. Well, then the person selling the tobacco would have to answer to the FDA. Yeah. Person selling tobacco. What if he's if he's growing it himself and fermenting it himself? It's all him. Yeah, it's yeah. all right. You can have a little uh, farm in your yard and have tomatoes and not yeah. pay anything. Or, you yeah, know. the FDA doesn't regulate backyard farming as long as you don't sell it. Right. It's like uh, think beers, making your own, brewing your own beer. You're not going to get any taxation or any regulation. Yeah. As long as you're not selling it. Would it eventually come under the same restrictions as marijuana? You can't just well, grow your own, well, your you own can, marijuana. You can, you can in Denver. You can in Washington. I mean, can you? You yeah. can yep. legally oh. for the state, but the FDA is federal. You cannot federally. It's still against the law federally, federally yeah. to have marijuana, possess it, smoke it, use it in any way. It's still against the law. It's legal to grow it? In, in, in Denver it is. By the state it is, but not by the government. And the FDA is not a state regulation. For it's personal consumption, I don't know what the capacity is or what the limit. Usually it's a couple of plants, but I'm just saying – that that's to me sounds like a dangerous game to be playing with uh, the way things are going when it comes to tobacco. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. All right. 
The following message is also submitted through the Contact Us page of thecigarauthority.com. And Buck writes, I watch your show regularly and would like very much to participate in the cigar care package. Oh, and with the care package. Well, you're the one putting these in order. They're, they're, <laughs> all right. They're all this. Yeah. But there's no option for country other than U.S. I live in Canada. That's is it correct for me to assume that the offer is only available for those yes, living in the U.S.? Yes, It's only the U.S. It's only the U.S. <laughs> it's Dave, only the U.S. Can we ship the care packages outside the U.S.? No. Oh, okay. It's only the U.S. What about? And I hate to say no, you know. I hate to say no, but the answer is no. So stop asking because I got to say no every time. <laughs> is it a cost thing? Is it a regulation? It's thing? It's a tax thing. It's a tax. And thing. and we've we've done it for regular packages, and the person ends up going to pick it up, and then they got to pay all kinds of taxes, and they refuse it, and the cigars come back, and we're paying shipping, and it just always comes back. It doesn't. It's just not feasible yeah. uh, the way it is right now, and that's that. One more. One more. Also submitted through the Contact Us page, Jacob writes, Greetings from Ohio. I got a little behind on my listening. May God have mercy on my soul. Here we go. <laughs> but while catching up during a recent binge session, something the gentleman Chuck Morrison said at the Camacho American Barrel Age Tour that was a episode while ago. really hit home. My father used to say, if you hang around with losers, their numbers will increase by one. Often yeah. I find myself as one of the oldest people in the group, and I hope it's because the younger members want to avail themselves of my experience, and that puts me in a position to make sure that I'm steering them correctly. Absolutely. So I'd like to expand on Gentleman Chuck Morris's wisdom and that of my father's by adding, if someone wants to include themselves in our group, make sure you are not the loser. Thanks for being the authority, Jacob. Nice job, Jacob. Remember you said if, if there's a loser in every group and yep. if, if you don't know who it is, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. So Sober Mesa, brand new out there. Give it a try. What are we talking about price-wise? Uh, price-wise, we're talking uh, roughly $11, yeah, $10 $11. to $12 a stick, uh, $12.50. $13.50 yeah. is the highest, so uh, $10 to $13.50. All right. So uh, it's, it's a good cigar, and uh, it, it's worthy of you giving it a try. It is not... Uh, Liga Pavada, so don't go in there thinking that because you'll have a negative thing to it if you end up thinking that. But he, this is not a one-trick pony. He's able to do. Uh, I'm interested to see plenty if, of flavor, plenty of yeah. taste. I'm interested to see if Steve's I like it better. Technique of anti-selling is going to how that's going to play in the thing. You know, he's over here being humble and saying it's not ready and being a perfectionist. Is that going to make people want to buy it more or want to buy it less? That's what I'm interested in. So I'll, I'll yeah. say this. During the break, he gave me uh, the Corona Gorda size. Yes. Because he thought it would be more within my wheelhouse. Yeah. There's definitely a little bit more of a kick and strength. There's definitely Uncle Nick is present on this cigar. Um, there's definitely more flavor and body to it. So for me, the Corona Gorda is the size of the cigars. Between the Robusto that we smoked and the Corona Gorda, this is it. So he, he's right in saying get the small, the thinner size for the fuller body people, and this is beautiful for me. This yeah. is where yeah, I want to be. Yeah, this was perfect. Right yeah, down so the I'll middle. Be going, I'll, this, this is the size I'll be going for. Okay. All right. So very, very interesting. All right. Next week, uh, we go back old school with La Gloria Cubana, part of the cigar care package. Very rare cigars. Uh, not many of them ever made, and uh, very few left anywhere if anybody has any uh, other than me i don't know i bought 20 boxes of each that's why i end up having it um but i'll tell you the story behind it and um you'll want more when i tell you the story of it but you can't have them so until then thank you cartel cigar cartel for joining us yeah, live. baby thank you to steve soccer and uh 
Huge success for Steve, hopefully on Sober Mesa. We're wishing him uh, the best of luck. Until next time, you've been listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Cigar Radio Network. And if you happen to be smoking the Robusto size of the Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust Sober Mesa, keep the lid end out of your mouth. We'll see you next week. Want to know what Lenny Clark has to say about Two Guys Smoke Shop? Two guys, the Two Guys Smoke Shop guys are the nicest guys. And I'll tell you, sometimes you go into a cigar store, you really don't know what you're looking for. It's very intimidating. And a lot of times, people have a tendency to be arrogant with you, like they know it all. Not the guys. Hey, what? The guys up at the Two Guys Smoke Shop. If you're a first-time smoker or you're looking for a great, go in and see them. They'll put you at ease. They'll make you feel at home. They'll get you the best cigar you can get for the best deal. You can't beat it. And then whenever I'm in New Hampshire again, if I'm in high-speed police chase or something, I'll stop in and have a smoke with those two guys. Why, thank you, Lenny Clark.